Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray, and I am joined by Matt Bledsoe of the Film Feast podcast. I'm really excited to talk with you uh, again. I appreciate the first time you came on not knowing me, this random Canadian dude just reaching out to you through social media <laughs> to see if you'd be on the show. But I, I, I loved your uh, your guesting work in the early episodes of your show, and I especially that love of 90s movies. I thought, well, maybe be a good good fit as a guest for for my show here and then through that you've kind of allowed me into some to some other connections there with Carmelita and I, I recently guested on a schlock and awe with Lindsay so so I I really do owe you in some ways for kind of uh, broadening my horizons here beyond local people and family friends and that kind of thing as guests for the show so thanks for coming back to the the uh, podcast oh yeah well thanks for having me back on I appreciate it and uh I'd even think about that me helping you make connections it's very nice to hear but uh it's a great group of people i i, I like i twitter is where i met all these people i didn't know any of them and through instagram a few people you and i'm trying to think top of my head but social media is you know it's not all bad so it's there's some good stuff so um i actually just listened to your episode with Lindsay. that was great i just listened to uh, watch persona like a month ago randomly and i was like oh perfect i've seen both these movies and uh i know jason so yeah that was a, that was a good one and i actually was just listening to listening back to your episode with carmelita on this show and i gotta thank you for all the the kind things said about me and my show so i appreciate it it was very very nice you and carmelita were very very kind well i mean you, you've earned it and you're you work hard at it and i know Lindsay is same thing like the the sheer number of shows and i've been kind of saying to some people it's it's been harder this year I, I don't know if it was because of the pandemic and some lockdown i was still working through the pandemic but i had an easier time getting a show out every two weeks was what i was aiming for now it seems like every two months if i can get one out so it's it's almost like yeah, it's just been a, a little bit harder the last year or so. So the fact that you're like producing the number of shows that you do, and I know you kind of sometimes are banking some shows and that kind of thing. But I, I just I appreciate all that hard work. But then you're you're guesting on other shows and you're uh, you're coming on here too, and you're just yeah, doing great work with that that show. So people need to check out. I mentioned it at the end of every episode here, but check out Film Feast. Uh, Matt knows what he's talking about. All right, so we're actually I, uh, we're going to be talking about what I've called horror revamps and i mean maybe i don't know if that's always the right term to use for these but each of these movies was kind of taking a famous or maybe famous in the b world franchise with one of them in particular and trying to do something different and where there had been kind of a, a little bit of a shift it's interesting there's some overlapping themes i know with two of these they had a million sequels in between and they decided to completely ignore the middle part and all the sequels and even even some of the remakes that when we're talking about Halloween in particular, uh, everything that happened there is completely ignored and they just kind of jump into whatever happened years after the first movie. And I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm coming around to that idea a little bit. I was a little bit leery of it at first, but, uh, I, I'm kind of getting why a lot of franchises are doing this here. So I'll just mention the ones we're reviewing and then so that people know which franchises we're looking at here. So we're going to review Halloween 2018. Then we're going to be taking a look at Bride of Chucky. Then we're going to take a look at Leprechaun Returns. Then Jason Goes to Hell, Jigsaw from the Saw franchise, and then It Chapter One. I know you're a big horror movie fan. Did you have a relationship with all of these franchises or was there some that you're more connected to than others? I had a relationship with all the franchises and I'd seen 
five of the six movies before we did this. Only one I had not seen. Part of the reason I picked it, I was like, okay, I'm at least familiar with almost all of these and I will have, <laughs> and the franchises. I definitely am more connected to Halloween, although <laughs> it's funny because that franchise has, I, I just, I think it's going to recently, has some very, like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Like Halloween Resurrection exists. So it's like, that, you know, and then the first Halloween is my favorite horror movies of all time. Oh, my favorite movies of all time. So it's that kind of discrepancy. And then Friday 13th actually, I think is for me, it's like the, the horror franchise where I could throw on almost any entry at any time. It's kind of the most like, if it was a graph, I feel like it kind of be right down the middle for the most part with some yes. peaks and valleys. But you kind of know what you're getting. I feel like the quality. Quality control is kind of like, listen, it's not going to be plug out of the water, but it's good throughout mostly. Not a huge leprechaun guy. <laughs> uh, it's goofy fun. But, and then like the Saul franchise is weird because it's very hard to watch any of those past like the first two. Like it's hard to be like, I'm just going to throw on Saul 5 today. Like what you can't, you can't just, it's such a commitment. Yeah. Like I watched the whole franchise a few years ago, you know, like 2019. I can't remember. Maybe uh, actually probably before Jigsaw came out, the one we're going to talk about. And I watched them all pretty close together. And they work much better like that. They work pretty well together closely. It's a little, after a while, it's a little bit like, oh my God, this is so much, you know, violence and, and just uh, like gross stuff happening. But um, yeah, you need to go hug a puppy afterwards or something yeah. because <laughs> it can be a little depressing. And then yeah. it, of course, is part of just a bunch of, there's so many Stephen King adaptations and those yeah. vary wildly in quality. Like some are Academy Award winners, some went straight to video and <laughs> You know, it's like that's kind of, he's more the franchise Stephen King. It's it's fascinating how they adapt his work. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Um, Halloween, it jigsaw uh, child's play of course child's play okay yeah yeah and another franchise i i actually like and i think has gone in a very interesting direction actually kind of since bride of chucky i feel like that was that's a good like a, a horror revamp horror reboot because i feel like the the franchise kind of went in this like kind of different direction after that i thought it was it's all been pretty interesting so yeah i'm kind of i you know i'm all over the place but i mean it's a horror movie i can kind of throw any of those on at any time and obviously right up front i'll say a few of these a couple of these were not great uh it's like and i there was one that that I had stood by for years and defended and thought it's not that bad. And I watched it and said, Oh no, it is that bad. <laughs> so we'll talk about that later. But. It is, um, and I know like, I appreciate listening to your show. You always kind of have a positive take on the majority of movies that you end up talking about and just the kind of nature of my show and the kind of scoring them or ranking them. They're all great movies and it becomes very hard. This one, I am, I am willing to admit that, yeah, there are some, some duds and it's going to be <laughs> interesting. What you might hear from me a little bit is maybe, Maybe some of these had more advantages than others in, in production. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I might come across as being a little bit harder on some of those, even though my points distribution might be a little bit separate from that. So again, trying to balance the uh, the positives and negatives. I don't think any one of the movies we're talking about are perfect, but I yeah, it, it's close. But I think there were still a couple redeeming things with some of the uh, the weaker entries that we'll get to, and it'll be interesting to see if we if we're if we're matching on all of these, or if there's one you're defending or another one I'm defending. We'll see how this goes here. But is there anything else you'd, you'd like to say here, kind of before we get going? No, I'm I'm just curious to see how you felt about all these because the thing with horror franchises too, I feel like is horror fans get so passionate and you have people who will defend some entries you may think are terrible and you're like, how can you like that? But then you might have an entry you like that you think is great and everyone else doesn't like. Like I've been on record on my show, I picked, I picked Friday Thirteenth Part Seven as my favorite Friday Thirteenth movie, which 
I think it's people think it's an insane take, but I really love it. Four is probably the best, but seven is like probably my personal favorite. <laughs> I really like seven too. When they, okay, when they heard you say that, I was just like, oh, okay, that that's great. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I mean, I don't, I won't say I agree with all of your takes, but sometimes the ones that not many people defend that you bring up, like, yeah, good. There's somebody else in the world that kind of <laughs> got something out of that one. And yeah, seven, seven's great. So I, well, not viewed as great, but I, I I enjoy it. I have fun with it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of these, I I didn't really. I, I I got to horror a little bit later. Horror films a little bit later in life, I guess. So I I did play catch up on some of the the classic series. But certainly, uh, I've been a horror movie fan during the the, the Saw franchise and that uh, that whole time too. But other ones, I spent years trying to catch up and watch and watch all of the entries. And so sometimes when we're talking about like three, four, and five, I get a few of them mixed up and like okay which one was that one again and you know but for, uh, oh yeah that's these, tough to these ones are all very distinctive to me and they've they've uh, made a mark so i think we'll uh we'll get into the reviewing here testing one two three yeah, we're on we're here to investigate a patient that killed three innocent teenagers on halloween in 1978 he was shot by his own psychiatrist and taken into custody that night. And has spent the last 40 years in captivity. Hello, Michael. I have something you might like to see. Everyone in my family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Laurie Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? Who the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. Excuse me, somebody's in here. Hello? for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out the wall! Get inside! You don't believe in the boogeyman? He's here! Michael! You should. Can you close the closet door?
I remember when, when, when Halloween 2018 came out and we had already, I mean, we obviously had the famous John Carpenter Halloween movie and then Rob Zombie had taken over and kind of remade the franchise in his own style. And so we had Halloween, his Halloween. And then I saw Halloween 2018 coming out and I was thinking, why do we have three movies called Halloween? <laughs> Yet, it was it was October and I felt like seeing a horror movie. And there, and there is something about Halloween. I don't know what it is where I'm willing to forgive almost anything from it. I, I don't know what the magic is about this Michael Myers uh, story. But I, I just, it and I think Friday the 13th are the ones we're talking about. Anytime I'm willing to put one of these on and I just, I, I have a good time. You had mentioned in the introduction, uh, Resurrection. <clears throat> Someday I'm going to have to review that. That is obviously, I think it earns its its reputation as being horrible. But some of the other ones where people are, you know, like the, the weird cult uh, subplot and all that. I, 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 I'm, I'm generally, uh, you know, enjoy the Halloweens. Recognizing some of them are better than others. But you're right. I mean, if you were to graph this series on it, it goes all over the place. And it's constantly making mistakes and then and then reworking things but so I, I i did go to see this and for the first little while I, oddly enough i actually thought i was watching a, another really horrible halloween entry then oh. things happened kind of in the once it got going and a little bit in the second act and third act and i thought okay that was that was okay i had a good time with it like a three-star movie type of thing right and then i kind of dismissed it and then uh of course last year halloween kills came out i love halloween kills and i i watched it more than once and then one night, I decided to watch Give Halloween 2018. It was actually before we agreed to do this podcast. So I've, I've watched it twice fairly recently. I watched Halloween 2018. I decided to watch Halloween Kills right after. And Halloween Kills has totally elevated Halloween 2018 for me because they see how they work together. I'm interested when the trilogy is done, how it might even make Halloween 2018 even better because there's all these little Easter eggs in the film that have become much bigger plot points in Halloween Kills. So because of Halloween Kills and revisiting Halloween 2018, I, I now have a, a much higher opinion of it. And so every time I watch it, I enjoy it more and more. So this will be ultimately a positive review. There are some things that I I will point out that I I guess I have I have some problems with and I'm going to seem fairly hard on it, even though this is points wise, this is going to get a, a lot of points for this, this episode. I think the opening sequence, it threw me off. And that's why it took probably 20 minutes, half an hour after it before I started to kind of warm up to the film where we have that, you know, that documentarian or he's doing that true crime podcast thing. He's, he goes and he visits Michael Myers and they have him chained up in that square and then they have a bunch of other people that kind of look like uh, stereotypes out of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that are all outside there too. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and I, I just didn't understand why this guy started screaming at Michael Myers to speak, you know, and then there's kind of that supernatural thing going on and everybody was going kind of crazy there and then we just cut to the title sequence 
I'm still wrestling with that one. Three times in, I'm, I still don't like that. And then there are a few characters and a few sequences where I'm just, you know, some conversations, which I, I just don't kind of get how they move things forward. If they're trying to do a Quentin Tarantino thing with this, you know, there's uh, the scene with that father and son who were on the hunting trip and they were spending a lot of time talking about how he was, the son was upset he was missing his dance lessons to go hunting with his dad just before a very good kind of kind of scary sequence there. There's two police officers having a big conversation about a Vietnamese sandwich or something. Yeah, like all like all these things that would kind of took me for a moment like is this to be funny or or kind of what's the purpose and then there were a couple characters one character who totally kind of redeemed herself in Halloween Kills Judy Greer I wasn't crazy about her in the first film and then she really kind of stepped up to me in, in the next one but even worse was that guy who played her husband oh, I, uh-huh. I, I think <laughs> both the actor and the filmmakers I think they thought he was a lot funnier than he actually was like he had some he had some pretty strange kind of bad lines he felt like he was in a different movie and then just a little uh, some picky things with some lines in the writing again this is a Halloween movie I should get over myself here but (laughs) when Judy Greer says that Jamie Lee Curtis uh, needs cognitive behavioral therapy like who talks like that no nobody nobody (laughs) talks like that your your grandmother needs needs help she needs psychological help like something like that like that's a quick fix there but the kills are amazing uh there's some incredibly creepy sequences again with with the bus and and all, all of the uh, inmates escaping which is then of course we get a payoff to that in Halloween kills and there's just all kinds of like like neat things that happen I felt a little bit that you're following um, and maybe rightly so the the structure of Halloween the original Halloween carpenter Halloween but they kind of did their own things there and there's a lot of um, kind of subtle fan service to the whole franchise so uh, overall I like it a lot I wish I could say that oh wow I, I worship this movie I, I don't but halloween kills is one that i do worship so. i i kind of love halloween 2018 um even when i first saw it i was so excited like going into this i was just pumped i feel like i i 2018 may have really been like i don't know we to say the peak of me loving horror because i've kind of i don't want to say cooled on the genre i have cooled on the genre a little bit though because cause i think i burned myself out on it because i got into it late too and i feel like i was getting really indie horror and just other older horror i'd missed because i was a scaredy cat as a child and was like not watching anything past like are you afraid of dark and goosebumps and like kid-friendly horror and uh so i felt like most of 2010s was like me catching up and becoming like this big horror fan and i feel like i was just so excited for halloween 2018 because i was not a fan of the rob zombie movies um I've kind of started to come around to them quite a bit, actually. I just rewatched his first Halloween, I think probably last October, and it went up a lot for me on my letterbox rating. I was like, oh, okay, it's like one and a half stars to three stars, which is a pretty big jump. And I need yeah, to watch yeah. his Halloween too, because I, I think I remember liking Halloween two more than his first one because i feel like his, his halloween 2 is way more him and more original his his first halloween's like kind of sticking to trying to be like carpenter's first one and i feel like he's kind of battling with what he wants to do what the studio wants him to do and but i at the time i didn't like this 2018 so i was like those and i was fine with him ignoring everything else because those movies still exist the people get so upset about like if they ignore all the stuff between it's like yeah but the movies aren't being erased from existence they're just gonna tell a story and jump ahead and and just not you know because there's it's so muddy you know it's so how do you even do that and uh the, the one with it was they were like oh we're gonna ignore everything and i'm pretty sure that the i think h2o maybe ignored everything in between halloween 2 i can't remember they acknowledged halloween 2 and h2o yeah it did it did so it kind of did the same thing 20 years earlier 
there's probably about like three, you know, revamps in here, and uh, H2O <laughs> would be one of them. A very good one, I would say too. I mean, H2O, I remember having a, a better first impression of than than this one. Oddly enough, I, I but now that I kind of look at it, I think this is a better, ultimately better made movie than than H2O. But H2O was uh, a lot of fun. I mean, they, they decapitate him. I mean. <laughs> you know, how, how how are the fans of 2018 going to expect oh suddenly his head got put back on or like i mean well you know. and then they find a way out of that in resurrection even yeah i know I, it's just ridiculous like oh no it wasn't him. uh so so yeah i mean i'm fine with all that i was so psyched that Jamie Curtis was back. I liked the people behind it. I was like, this should, the trailers I thought were great. I was so excited. I was in from the get-go. I, I thought that open sequence is actually really cool because it's weird and unsettling. I just like the way it looks, too. They're on like, it looks like a giant chessboard, checkerboard, however you, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, so it's a, such a movie setup. Like, I don't think there'd ever be a place that looks like that. <laughs> like, um, you know, especially like an underfunded, probably mental institution. But I thought it was such a cool unsettling open, how it hard cuts to the Halloween theme and Yep. The pumpkin, uh, like, uh, oh god, was it coming back or was it disintegrating? Now I'm blinking. If it, if it, it starts as like it's rotted and it comes back, or it starts to rot. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay. I think it's, I'm blinking, and, but yeah, it's just like all the names. Like, oh, Carpenter is still involved. Like, he's involved with this. That's great. And it, yeah, it, it much yeah. more modeled on Carpenter's uh, original. So I have no problem with like actually like the the titles and everything they did there. But I, I just thought I, I don't know. Did I, mean, I need to rewatch it again? I mean, I've watched it three <laughs> times and I keep thinking, okay, I'm I'm gonna start to see the brilliance of this a little bit more. Other than kind of causing like the reaction you're talking about, you're it's a weird sequence and you're like, okay, what, like what's gonna happen? And he's getting very close to that line. He's not supposed to cross, but it just then, then he starts screaming at Mike, and I just don't I, I don't get what thinking of like something like if you're going to portray a, a a journalist or something going back to natural born killers and robert downey jr plays that role really big right like in the whole movie is big but it's kind of set up and it's a little bit built up but this guy is supposed to be kind of grounded in reality but what like is he thinking that this is going to work or uh, and he doesn't seem to be noticing like everything else that's kind of going on there but it just felt like there, there was going to be a payoff to that scene and there wasn't it was like we we're getting to the payoff and he just cut it off kind of in the middle and i I suppose that's okay but i just i don't know i i would subject subjective thing for sure i just didn't. yeah you know i i see your point though i could see how and i mean i know a lot of people who, who this movie does not work for them or they don't like things in the movie i know the his doctor character is a like the yeah, michael's doctor is a big point of contention that's and, uh like late in the film that that character completely switches yeah <laughs> you know it seems, it seems like even in just kind of one scene just all all of a sudden you know he's turned into this but i i guess they built that up a little bit i mean what reason did he have to accompany michael myers on the bus if he didn't have some sort of a plan of trying to i don't know maybe maybe he wanted michael to escape i i, I don't know very uh <laughs> yeah that i i understand the criticism of that character i i noted it i, I think the actor does okay yeah, I, I do like Jamie Lee Curtis when she says, oh, you're the new Loomis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned a few of those like weird kind of uh, conversations that people yeah. have that are like not related to anything <laughs> like uh, the kid and his dad, which sets up a pretty good sequence. I like the way it looks, but it's a weird. It's that a, is it's, scary. Like when it, that, yeah. especially when the, the kid gets out of the car, right? Like, like I pretty much know like dad is gone here. Let's, this is it. But 
the kid gets out and he's and he's got that because of the hunting he has the gun out there but we're just like and they like they do actually go after like horror movies for a while i think they became a little bit predictable that you would have a kid in danger but you would never actually the kid would never die or there wouldn't right, be you know, right. there'd be some rescue thing but now i think uh the modern horror filmmakers are realizing that no we will kill off the children uh a lot more so now that we so we're not kind of like oh this will be like a false scare type of thing now we're there's genuine danger there and, and there's a lot and it's like just the 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 cinematography and the setup and the music it's 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 all done well and when he comes across the the guard who tells him to run that, that that was all very well done so but just to kind of lead in like what I, I just wasn't quite sure what they were doing it felt like they were trying to be modern or they were like i trying to give all these you know kind of secondary characters a few more dimensions maybe that's not a bad thing so they aren't just kind of like oh victim number 12 or something but i i just didn't didn't get why they were using screen time for that when you know there there's other other things that could have been maybe included or they could have cut the movie back a little bit i don't mind i know you don't like long movies i don't mind long movies but i kind of want to see the purpose of each scene i guess uh, if it's going to be long mm-hmm. and this is this isn't a terribly long movie but it's just no it's like hour 45 i'm looking at yeah. so I, I just think i mean people forget too i think danny mcbride co-wrote the script and i mean yeah. him and, and uh uh david gordon david gordon green are they were known for comedies before this that was a weird thing too people were like these are like comedy guys they did your highness yeah. and like pineapple express so i always i felt like you could almost see the lines where it's like danny mcbride's like let's do this there's that the dad the dad has like this, yeah it's the insane line about like oh i got peanut butter in my penis like what <laughs> I remember my theater like laughed, but also kind of awkwardly was like, "What? Like, why peanut butter on my penis?" Such a weird, random line. Also, I don't know if you know if you if you were. I, I don't know how much the age difference is here, but uh, that the guy who played Judy Greer's husband, Toby Huss, was Artie on Pete and Pete, which was like a huge show for me as a kid. I don't know that show. Oh, okay, okay. Well, there was like a Nickelodeon show in the '90s, and they had this guy named Artie, and I was like, "Oh, it's that." It took me a while to put the pieces together, but he's the peanut butter on my penis guy. <laughs> it's such a weird line. Like, and then the cop thing is weird. But sandwiches and that they, they all like they all like proceed except for the peanut butter line they all proceed like really violent moments of michael myers it's almost like let's make you laugh a little bit before this horror sequence comes in i, I don't know like it didn't bother me i know why it bothers people like there's things in the movie that i understand why they bother people but i don't think they bother me nearly as much i've come around the doctor character and i'm at first i was like what like what is he doing but i now i'm okay with it i kind of forgave it <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. not a deal breaker for me there i, I think the unfortunate thing with <laughs> with that father character though and again this was early in the film so i mean these establishing scenes with these characters i'm like is this movie going to be really bad i mean that's going to be a huge letdown here because i'm a bit of a halloween defender and then yeah i did get better but i felt I, i'm supposed to feel something when spoilers uh the father uh gets killed i'm supposed to feel something about that i felt happy <laughs> in the movie world <laughs> in real life yeah yeah i was just like this guy's so annoying you just need to no, I know there are way more examples in horror movies of annoying characters that get killed and people kind of cheer for the movie monster more than the, uh, <laughs> the innocent character. But yeah, the, the, like the dad was just... Uh, it was weird. I, I I don't know if they just let him improvise. He, like he was kind of strange too. And they have that that dinner with the boyfriend too before 
Jamie Lee Curtis comes in and that kind of that sequence happens where she has a bit of a bit of a panic attack there in the restaurant. Just the, the conversation he's having about peyote, buying peyote from this guy's father or something like that. I, I just did. Yeah, I just didn't get that guy, I guess. You know, it, it was the movie. <laughs> the next movie served was better because he wasn't there. And then Judy Greer was like freed of him so that she could take a, like, a bit more of an active role. And, <laughs> and, I, and I guess because she takes that that action towards the end of the film too that was a little bit of a okay now now the next movie she's gonna be uh, a big part of it so i i wanted to shout out really like uh this andy matichuk who plays allison Um, yeah 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 and i i was a little bit like i was excited for halloween kills that that's one thing is and i'm hoping that she's gonna have a big role in 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 this next one here because she's great in this movie i i actually think she gives the best performance in it and i didn't think she was her her arc in the second film wasn't to me as strong she was kind of wandering around and there was some danger and stuff but i thought like what a what a great debut and uh, they said they wanted to have kind of like with jamie lee curtis in the first one find somebody that wasn't that well known to play the role because there were a lot of kind of well-known actors who were interested in that that part i, I just think she she gives a solid job it didn't matter what scene she was in if it was played for laughs or played for scares i i thought she was awesome i did too yeah i thought she was really good uh and i'm glad she's I, minor spoilers i guess still gonna be in the in the third entry too which i'm excited for as well i'm glad i didn't say this earlier i'm glad to hear you're a halloween kills guy because i'm sure you yeah. listened to our show and i had my friends mark and hayden on who were like the biggest halloween kills fans <laughs> like they gave made the normal movie of last year and i think people thought yeah, this movie of uh 2021 20, people thought they were crazy i think i really liked it it made my top 10 it was gonna be my top 10 they got pushed out but they were like both number one loved it i love their passion for it it's a that movie was very divisive when it came out yeah. halloween 2018 kind of felt so. like yeah like it, it felt like it went over much better halloween kills came out people got really upset i thought it was really stupid and all this stuff and i found that interesting how i thought halloween 2018 was pretty well received there was some stuff like you said people didn't like some of the humor and things like that but like most it went over pretty well um halloween kills like didn't go for nearly as well but um i i find this like sometimes i find i'm just in the opposite world these days of the stuff i really love not as many people love and the one stuff that becomes quite a little bit more respected a little bit more popular i have a little a few more problems with Mm -hmm. not always the case but certainly in genre cinema that that seems to happen a bit there i mean just never be happy with anything and i think halloween's fans can be that way yet why because because You've accepted all of these other strange twists and turns in this franchise. Why was Halloween Kills, which I might argue is one of the best in the franchise, why was this, it's a political climate I guess we're in or or what, but it, it was, uh, yeah, it was very strange. I, I didn't get it. I It was very close. It was a runner up for my top 10 list last year. Uh, I, I love that one. And I can appreciate Halloween 2018 a lot more now. So uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about it? Uh, no, I never, I was curious, were you surprised? surprised how violent Halloween 2018 was because I was surprised at the, the level of like the brutality of the violence because that was how Rob Zombie's Halloween movies were super violent and I feel like amongst the big three of Friday 13th and Nightmare and Halloween Halloween was for the most part like more subdued in its violence like, compared to the other two like yes, I agree. you know not like yes. heads being lopped off but he's like smashing heads in 2018 <laughs> and, like yes. you know I mean it's, I was surprised I was kind of shocked I mean I didn't I wasn't mad but I was just like whoa this is different because this is not usually expected 
effect from the Halloween franchise. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, okay, they went a little, they went in, uh, pretty deep with the violence on this one. So <laughs> yeah, I, I and I, I think in Halloween Kills, I had kind of uh, noted that even more. Like it felt even more brutal in Halloween Kills. And my take on it was, okay, yeah, we're we're going back to kind of the original, but we have the Rob Zombie stuff that has happened and horror has been elevated the violence has been elevated in the last 40 years and so we have to up that a bit and we can also get away with more yeah i, I think it is if you had just watched kind of the, the the john carpenter into those ones and had ignored rob zombies and all that i i think it would be quite a <laughs> quite a change for sure yeah, yeah. i don't mind it i kind of like it i mean i think it's they're they're kind of making a statement here too that we're we're at the top of the the horror food chain here and and we're willing to bring bring the violence and the and the blood and everything but yeah it is uh, that and again I'm, I'm i'm supposed to feel something when the documentarians get it in that really awful dirty bathroom oh um, yeah <laughs> that's it's gross but in the, the the best possible way and that's a vicious vicious sequence and uh that's one where i just like more and more when i watch it, i'm like oh that is nasty nasty but uh <laughs> applause for how nasty it is yeah well and yeah. i guess last things i would want to say i definitely want to give credit to jamie lee curtis as laurie strode i think she She's really good in this one. I think the idea of her carrying this like trauma for all these years and how she is, I like that. I think that's the trauma on her in this one and the trauma on the whole town and Halloween kills, I think is what I find interesting. I really like the design of, I mean, it's not Mike Myers mask in this new one. I think it looks really good. Like the aging they did and just the way they portray him. And that last sequence, I think is really good in her house when she starts kind of like trying to kind of trap him and lock things up and they're kind of going toe to toe. I love that last sequence. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I could think I definitely want to say those few things but yeah i really i really like halloween 2018 i kind of think i love it so yeah it's it's really good though i think and i, I like that the age michael myers like he's an old man now. yeah he's still got superhuman strength <laughs> obviously yeah. to do everything that he's doing he obviously doesn't have arthritis or any <laughs> him. Uh, and yeah jamie lee curse and i i kind of feel like if there had been a, a criticism in for halloween kills it was just how little screen time she had. But I get it. If I'm true, I almost feel like I, at the end, I don't know. When I see when I see the, the third one here in October, maybe I'm going to view it as one movie. Kind of like Kill Bill is all one movie type of thing. Mm-hmm. If I view it as all one movie, then obviously she's still the star of this thing. And there's going to be a lot of her, I think, in this, this third one. But this was kind of the middle chapter where she's spending almost the entire movie in the hospital. In this first one, she has a lot to do. It's interesting, though, she, she has a bit of that time war thing where... Where she's over at, you know, her her daughter's house, worried about security, but then she happens to be outside of like the murder scene at the uh, at the gas station, and then like she seems to be everywhere at once. Um, oh, uh. <laughs> kind of like how like Jason Voorhees would be in a, a lot of the movies. So I, I found that that kind of interesting. But yeah, she's all, she's great in this role. But Jamie Lee Curtis is always great, even if yes. it's a bad movie. She, <laughs> she is uh, she is solid, and I'm I'm glad she agreed to come back and um, undo what was done to her in Resurrection. Yeah, because that was a terrible ending for her. That was so... <laughs> it makes me hate that movie more than I even could already. <laughs> Especially what they set up in H2O, which was great. That, right. It was like a completely different character from that movie to the next movie, and it just it made no sense. I don't yeah, know. agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no shame for Halloween 2018. I think we both like it, but uh, you like it more than I do.
But this time, there's more to fear. Because this time, he's got a playmate of his own. Bride of Chucky. I think, you know, that Child's Play is an interesting franchise in, in some ways. I mean, you would think, like, how could they get this many movies and a now TV show out of the concept of this possessed little doll? Like, you would think it'd be pretty easy to deal with. You just pick up the doll and then, like, throw, throw it away <laughs> or burn it or something. But you you accept, you suspend your disbelief for all of these films that, uh, that this little doll could do this much damage. And... I, I think that like the transition from Child's Play three, which is I again I I, I like I, I like the first three, but Bride of Chucky I hadn't watched all of them, but I just when I was working at a movie theater when Bride of Chucky came out, and I decided to just go and see it, and I was just surprised how entertaining it was, and some familiar faces there. Uh, I, I, I miss John Ritter. It's so nice to see him in this movie. I wish he was in more of it, and it, it was just. A fun movie. It brought the fun into that series. It balanced the comedy out with, you know, some pretty, you know, pretty strong violence in places too. And um, this last time I, I'd watched it recently, and then this last time I decided to listen to the commentary, and I I really enjoy it. I mean, I think it's it's just a good time. I mean, I. I think there's things for sure, like all of them, that I could really pick at and 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 criticize. But I I just think it's it's fun. Jennifer Tilly is absolutely a sport when it comes to this series. Maybe <laughs> even more in the in the later ones. And it's just she fully embraced this when at the time. I mean, uh, Bound, which uh, you you've covered on your show. I, I'd love to get a copy of that movie. I saw it years ago. I love it and. She'd been up for an Oscar for uh, Bullets Over Broadway, the Woody Allen picture. And so there might be, like, at this time, it would be easy for her to have just, like, turned her nose up at a project like this. But she got in there, and she was prepared to to go all the way through. So I I really appreciate that. Uh, And uh, it's a lot of fun. So essentially, Chucky... uh, has discovered this uh, is perfect mate to go around and kill and revive his body and her body with this young couple that they get uh, tangled up with. And uh, Jennifer Tilly had been had been an old uh, girlfriend of of Brad Dorf when he you know was was in his human form for the events of Child's Play happened. So I think one of the the, the giant pluses to this besides like the kind of the the fun of the screenplay was the directorial choice, which seemed a little bit probably strange at the time, but it, it worked well. Ronnie Yu, just an amazing action director. And he he brought in this action movie sensibility to to this, particularly in some scenes. Like he he says that he intentionally did some scenes as homages to John Woo films. Like there's a there's one point where I think Chucky has two two guns going at the same time, and this slow oh, motion yeah. shot going through the window of that uh, RV. It's a lot of fun. Like it's some of that you can tell is very CGI and early CGI, and kind of looks a bit cartoonish. But on the whole, they did try to limit that a bit and do a little bit more with kind of the puppet effects there. So, uh, Don Mancini wrote the screenplay for this one, and a, a lot of kind of Easter eggs, particularly at the beginning when this guy is kind of. Che- 
stealing the Chucky doll, and I think he's going to sell it on the black market or something. But in there is uh, I, there's a Jason Voorhees mask, and I think there's some uh, so, something Michael Myers in there. There's a whole bunch of um, references to other horror movie franchises in there. If you're multiple watches, you, you can see. So yeah, the, the, the movie the movie's fun. I think a lot of my I didn't have a ton of criticisms, but they were maybe a little bit at some of the effects of aged a bit. But that's okay. I mean, you know, and maybe I'm harder on Halloween because I think it's trying to do something a little bit more serious. This, I think they're just wanting people to have a good time at the movies. And Bride of Chucky was not taking itself as seriously as maybe some earlier Child's Play films. And I think that worked well. Maybe some of the later ones after this go a little bit too far on the other end and, and kind of lose steam. But... This is this was kind of a nice transition one for me. So what do you think of Bride of Chucky? I really like Bride of Chucky. I'm glad to hear you like it too, because I feel like it's one that uh could either work or not work for people. It could be really divisive, <laughs> but uh I really like it. I it was so funny because I was having like I hadn't seen it in a very long time, but I was having like these flashbacks to uh when I first saw it. I saw it in a theater. Uh my friend's dad took us when I was like eleven. I hardly <laughs> I'd only seen like a few radar movies in a theater at that point, like Search of Troopers and Blade, and uh it was like a treat. Like because I, yeah. I was over i don't think it was clear my mom either I was like, i'm getting away with something I'm, watching, I'm seeing this radar horror movie in a theater and uh it was a lot for 11 year old me to take uh jennifer tilly was like uh kind of uh oh, what's the word <laughs> it's like she's uh, uh life-changing uh no <laughs> was like, uh oh she i was like oh okay um it was it was a lot especially i haven't seen much many horror movies it was um yeah it was fascinating and i remember thinking then it was fun and it's still very fun i I Don Mancini, the screenwriter for all the movies. I'm not, you know, most of them. He has control. There's a weird thing with the rights thing. I feel like Universal yeah. can make movies called Child's Play with Chucky, and Don Mancini can do whatever he wants with things called Chucky. <laughs> like he, Bride of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, and then he has the show on Sci-Fi Channel now. Yeah, it might be called just Chucky. I don't know, but so yeah, so he, it's like he has control. I think he's genuinely a very funny screenwriter. So all the comedy like really works for me. Some of it's a little dated in 1988 uh, stuff, but it's not yes. bad. Like it does help that I think that he is a. Uh, I'm pretty sure Don Mancini is openly a gay man, and he has this. Catherine Heigl has a gay friend who, for 1998, is really not a horrific stereotype of a gay person. Not, not is, the worst. I mean, I, no. I think I got my 2022 radar up when I was watching that again, and the and that character came in there. But then I was like, eh, you know, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. Like, <laughs> like uh, Catherine Heigl, this was I don't know. This was her first role. Or was, no, no, I think she'd maybe been in, she was in a Gerard de Pardieu movie maybe before this. Oh, or that's a weird she, uh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my Father the Hero or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and of course, when I saw this, I, I didn't know who she was. And then years later, when I, I was like, oh, oh, wow, I didn't, she was the girl that, in this, okay. But yeah, that she has the boyfriend that uh, John Ritter, who's her uncle and the kind of the town sheriff doesn't like and so this is the fake boyfriend right <laughs> she can get together with the real one at the prom or what whatever but uh john ritter's a little bit too smart for that one so uh you know yeah, some joke I, about he knows too much about a flower or something which is not you know not but he, he uh i remember thinking that was interesting because i'm sure i picked up on it in 98 but i was young but and watching it through the 2022 lens and like just i was like oh that's like decent because there were so many more 
over the top stereotypical yeah. gay characters uh and i was like oh that now i know about dom mancini i was like oh that must have been him kind of like doing it uh, decently <laughs> you know and uh the ronnie you choice is interesting um i think he does a good job with this it was like very dramatic lighting and like i i have not ever seen all of his movie from hong kong um the bride with white hair i believe it's called but i've mm -hmm. seen clips of it and that is a very dramatic over the top thing and i think he's bringing some of that to to this which is interesting and uh i believe ronnie you was also the same guy that directed freddy versus jason he was yes which yeah. i don't like as much i for, for some reason i feel like it works better here than in freddy versus jason like i think the humor is better here than in that movie i think that yeah. it's a it, this is a better screenplay um, yeah. I, I don't mind Freddy versus Jason and uh, man, the, like, and we'll probably get into talking about it with, uh, uh, Jason goes to hell, but it, yeah, I, I think he did his best with it and it's entertaining enough, but it's not as well written. And I think, yeah, that, that is the kind of the, the difference here, uh, I guess, but I, I, again, I feel like Freddy versus Jason is trying to do something epic. This movie isn't trying to do something epic, and yet it's more successful. <laughs> yeah, and I think there was some, I don't know, I don't know how to quote him, but Ronnie, you had something about Freddy versus Jason where he just said he didn't care as much about the lore or something like that. It just seemed like he was the wrong guy because he wasn't very passionate about that, and that's like a dream project. This is the fourth <laughs> Child's Play movie, and they're kind of rebooting it because Child's Play 3, I don't know how successful that was, and there's a little bit of a gap of maybe five years. I don't remember when Child's Play 3 came out. Um Maybe it, it was, uh, Child's Play 3 is 91. Oh, okay. So there's a decent gap there. Yeah, it's just like, let's do something different. And yeah, I, so he, I like his style here, though. It's it's fun. Yeah, I, I guess it's genuinely funny. I love uh, Jennifer Tilly and Brad Dorif, uh yeah. as, as the voices of the dolls. Like, the dolls look so good. I was blown away with that, too. I think Kevin Yeager, he's a did, pretty well-known yeah. effects guy, did the dolls. And they look so good. I was like, wow, he did a good job on these. Like, so glad they weren't just like, CGI. And I think they've stuck to that to this day. I don't think they ever really do full CGI with the Chucky doll or any of the dolls. It's like there may be something where it's running or something with CGI, but it's like if it's just there and it looks so much better, it looks so good. So I love that design. I forgot John Ritter was not in more of the movie. I thought it, my memory was he was like the main almost antagonist and he was throughout the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, he's uh, tracking them down or something. Yeah, on, yeah this, no, this, uh, he's gone. Aspect, but no, no, it was gone pretty quickly. Um, they, they found a, a very creative way of dealing with I mean, he, he, he lingered for a while and i guess this was a from the again from the commentary he was such a sport that like kind of later on when his dead bodies discovered that was him that wasn't like some dummy in there or something like he he got into that cramped space and so that it was like the actual actor with you know all the the makeup and everything so yeah ronnie you so, i had yeah. nothing but good things to say about john ritter uh just uh how he you know approached the role and everything and said he was kind of he's a funny guy too he was a good guy to have on set yeah i miss him too he's he was always a welcome like presence anything so yeah Catherine heigl didn't know who she was at the time uh it's like at all but now like oh Catherine heigl like yeah, 80 exactly. face Catherine heigl i think she was like 20 yeah. when they made her something and she's yeah, they're, they're pretty good i mean her and her boyfriend's whole thing is they're kind of less interesting than chucky and tiffany <laughs> like they're yeah. they're it's like they're not the stars of the show and you know i mean yeah i think it's good i uh i appreciate that it's very snappy and it's pacing it really moves along yes. like and how it gets to things and yeah i don't know it's just very fun i i really enjoy this one i'm glad it's still held up because i hadn't seen it and i'd seen it sometime in between seeing it 98 and now but it was like so still a big gap um but no it held up great still and it was still very funny and uh very easy and fun thing to watch so this was this one was uh a, 
a nice one to revisit. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I want to shout out, uh, you know, uh, Alexis Arquette. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was passed on now since. Plays this kind of, like, goth guy who comes over and is, is I think he's going to have sex with, <laughs> with Jennifer Tilly and and sees the uh, the good guy doll there. And it's, it's so, I mean, a little bit of a cartoon about how, like, stupid this guy is. But, um, <laughs> but his death is brutal and, like, pulling out, uh, oh. like, your scenes <laughs> is rough there but uh and like all that whole that whole sequence you know maybe maybe when i first saw it i thought it was a bit over the top but again i i think it works really well with the the style of the piece there too so i uh, i like that bit i also like the part when when they see what he actually looks like in his regular life like he's, he's oh my just, god yeah that's a funny it's a funny game <laughs> yeah, yeah there's that with that honeymoon hotel and kind of that annoying couple. And I, okay. So there were kind of like a, a scene I, I laughed at and loved and still love to this day. And then one that I don't think is great. Like, I'm, I mean, it's a horrific kill. Uh, what they do to, to kill off this annoying couple, but it was very CGI, like this glass coming down. It looked like, Oh yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I guess like when we see the result of it, it, it that's, that's okay. But <laughs> Get into that doll, the doll sex scene. Oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I was, I was oh. oh, they really went there. Yeah. Oh, Chucky, uh, do you have a rubber? I'm made of rubber. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like that whole thing had to be filmed because it was improvised when they were doing the voice work before they did the shooting. That <laughs> and Brad Dorf just improvised it. It was just too good to not have in the movie. So then the effects people had to figure. <laughs> all sex scene and it was just and i guess it, it does lead to our uh gotcha moment at, at the end at, at, at the graveyard when uh when when, uh, when tiffany comes back there and I just thought <laughs> with I yeah I forgot they did that right at the end I thought maybe it was like an after credits thing because the next one is Seed of Chucky which is I think yeah. weirdly the only movie I haven't seen this series somehow I just never have gotten around to watching it I know that's a divisive one I think I, I did last October I, I will say go in with low expectations but I would I would say I incredibly admire Jennifer Tilly for how she is able to kind of parody and satirize herself and her career and she's kind of in a bit of a dual role there and it, it, it it's really funny again the vanity of most actors of her caliber would not have agreed to do that film it's not as good as this one but i really like what she does probably more than most anything else that's going like they, what they decide to do with, with their child is i think kind of stupid but and you know <laughs> I heard it's like it doubles down on like the humor and kind of campiness and yeah, big uh, time, yeah. yeah. And uh, I know that bothered people, it's but meta, uh, meta, meta yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I own it with that whole child's play set. I have like a the, the whole set. I haven't, I just never gotten around to watching it because I'm just like I don't know. But I'll I'm kind of in the mood now that I watch this one to watch that one and then be like I've seen them all. But uh, give yeah, it a day in courts. There's there's yeah. much worse out there. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Brian Chucky is still still a very good time. I still really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I, I I think when I when I looked at my points and reevaluated my points, I mean it's maybe I'm overselling it and maybe I'll overperform with the points, but I every time I see it, I have a good time with it, and uh, it's, it knows what it is, and it is very to me, in my opinion, very successful at what it's uh, trying to do. You must be one of the girls. 
fixing up the old house way out there from campus. You know about that? Small town. My mom used to live here. She didn't tell you anything about the place where you're going? No. Everything okay? Yeah. Everything. We made sure of it. <laughs> you guys really going off grid? By the end of summer, we'll have moved all our electricity to solar and all our water to the well. There's no internet? No internet and no cell service either. <laughs> Hello? Got a lot of killing to make up for. <laughs> this can't be real. <laughs> Do I look like a figment of imagination to you? I want me gold. Here's the thing my mom always said was real. Heard of friends. Blew me down the well to rot. There is a deranged dwarf obsessed with money in the kitchen. It's a leprechaun. He would murder anyone for his gold. Look so sore. Audiences love lots of gore. I spent last summer stopping poachers from killing sea turtles in Costa Rica. I can handle a bunch of pocket-sized pixies. Leprechaun returns. So there are eight to this date, eight Leprechaun films. Uh, I feel like there's, there's potential for more uh, based on the last scene of the one we're going to review. But to this date, this is we're going to be talking about Leprechaun Returns, which is the uh, newest release, I guess, in that uh, series. I believe uh, 2018. It came out through the Sci Fi Channel. I I've heard from many horror fans that the Leprechaun series is a tough, tough pill to swallow. <laughs> uh, and. I will admit, I have not watched, I have this collection of all of them, but I have not watched every entry in the Leprechaun franchise. I remember when I was growing up, my friend heard about Leprechaun, and we rented the VHSs, and I think we watched uh, it and a few of the sequels, and just laughed at how ridiculous this was. <laughs> and I had, I had watched leprechaun uh the original recently and thought okay it's yeah this is this is as stupid as stupid can be but yet there's kind of this strange entertainment quality to it i i think a big part of why if if you would argue that some of them work maybe you don't i don't know warwick davis um was was key to making this series work i think and and participated in all but the last two films. And, you know, I, I think there's something good about what he's doing, even if the film is not great. But when we look at this Leprechaun Returns, just like Halloween 2018, we are ignoring everything that happened in between. So the Leprechaun, you know, again, had been in Vegas, had been in the hood twice, had been, been in space. space. <laughs> uh, yeah, had been a... Uh, in, in Ireland, in a WWE uh, origin story, <laughs> all all of this stuff had ha happened. I think wisely, what they did with this one is they ignored all that. They went back to the original town and kind of the 
the farmhouse where where Leprechaun happened and let this ridiculous story happen, which is essentially set up for a slasher. So for, for reasons I can't quite understand, there's this environmentally conscious group of young women who are trying to start a, some sort of a you know a, a frat or like, like something like that but an eco-friendly one on this property and it just so happens that they've invited uh jennifer aniston's daughter uh jennifer aniston being the uh i guess the final girl for lack of a better term from the first movie to come and be part of this getting this set up uh it, it doesn't to me make a whole ton of sense but then the the, the leprechaun is brought back to life and starts uh, killing a whole bunch of them. And this is one where you you have your your usual archetypes. There's you know there's this kind of blonde girl who is really an unpleasant person. She has a severe drinking problem. We have this guy which is like seven times more douchey than he needs to be. He's just like horrible boyfriend to kind of like the kind of one of our, our nicer characters to the point where you're just like looking forward to the leprechaun getting this guy and, and getting rid of him. Like he's some of his lines in here. He says, he says, I guess it was an, an old girlfriend or something. And then they're trying to, he's trying to rehash it by saying you have a nice ass. Uh, only you can make clean look filthy. Like, they must just enjoy in these writing rooms just like let's just make this person as just awful as possible here and i'm not completely sure why uh there's other things that i think in the screenplay i, I don't i don't i mean it's there's an ed bagley jr reference as far as, <laughs> which was very fresh when it was mentioned on the i think the first season of friends and making fun of him and his interest in electric cars but i'm not sure what's doing it 2018 movie with a bunch of young people who were probably not alive when that that Ed Bagley Jr. stuff was happening. I don't know. There's also strange sequences. There's a one friend's taking a picture of a girl. She gets out of the shower for Snapchat, and I don't get. Anyway, there's one original cast member comes back, and you know, I, I I I'm I'm not sure. I'm crazy about how he was portrayed in the first one or in this one, but he's kind of he's kind of the link there. And he's the guy in the first movie, if you haven't seen the first movie, who ended up accidentally swallowing one of the uh, gold coins in the leprechaun's pot of gold. So even when they try to give the uh, the gold back to try to get the leprechaun stop him from killing them, there's still one coin short. short. Uh, we get a payoff to that one, which I do not understand why for however many years in between 20 whatever, 25 years, this guy apparently had this gold coin stuck inside his body, which had not passed through his system yet. So uh, <laughs> we get that. So am I still in the movie yet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I ha have no idea why. At the end of the day, I, I do have to admit, this is, I'm losing all credibility as a film critic, I had fun with this movie. Again, I think it's the expectations you put on to the eighth <laughs> The eighth chapter in <laughs> a, a, a very weak horror franchise that it overperformed for me, I guess. But all that said, I would totally understand anybody who has wants to just tear this movie apart and, <laughs> and forget it, it ever existed. But I, I, I guess there was enough for me to like. I missed Warwick Davis. I, I don't. Uh, I wasn't as thrilled with uh, the gentleman who's playing the leprechaun this time. I found I had trouble understanding him. Like, he was not enunciating a whole lot. Some of the uh, rhyme couplets were not hitting home as, as much. <laughs> <laughs> I 
yeah. some of those rhymes were a bit of a stretch. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, he was really, really, uh, really. He was just spending a little bit more time on that and a little bit of character development in a few cases there in the writing room. But again, what are my expectations for Leprechaun Eight? Other than did I have fun with it? I had fun with it. So it's a a I guess a mild thumbs up for me. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Leprechaun? Uh, you know it's not very good i don't know it's not a very good movie but uh no i don't know i mean when i saw sci-fi channel original i was like ooh, but it's it actually it feels better than that it feels like yeah it's you know i've seen many many worse sci-fi original movies and again i didn't expect much from the eighth leprechaun movie uh and this was the only one of the six that I had not seen till this, till this viewing. Uh, for some reason, I own it on Blu-ray. I don't know how. I don't know why. Blu-ray I, leprechauns. I have no idea why. I have I have the entire other uh, leprechaun set that stops just short of Leprechaun Return. So I probably, with my OCD, see, this is gonna be tough. To tell you to cut any of these yeah. because yeah. they're all part of some kind of franchise, except yeah. it. But that's probably the best we were to talk about. But like for me, it's like, oh, I, I'm sure Leprechaun Returns was like bought like maybe for five dollars or less from somewhere like best buy or amazon like i, I know i didn't pay a lot of money for it and i was like oh i own this movie that's good so that came in handy finally um did, did, no, did not... the blu-ray just enhance the experience for you from like my dvd <laughs> copy here just... oh wow uh i mean it didn't look bad uh shockingly it didn't look great but it didn't look bad uh it it's it's not a very good movie and it's but it's it i had more fun than i expected yeah. some of the kills some of the gore are actually pretty decent there's somebody who gets oh, like yeah. sliced in half with a solar panel that i thought was actually pretty cool <laughs> there is a ridiculous one there's a filmmaking character yes. which every well, time movie does that i'm like oh boy like <laughs> and then and then the way I, he I, dies this I, oh, I, I thought he was another uh, kind of asshole character initially because he was kind of creepily filming when um, yes. <laughs> when she was telling that horrible like sad story about her mother, and I thought that was just such a terrible thing to do. But he was actually supposed to be like the nice guy in this this group or whatever, or the one that she might <laughs> I don't know be interested in. Uh, he did he did that Hitchcock impression. At one point oh God, too. that was. Yeah. That yeah. was embarrassing to watch. Uh, they, he's he's kind of a pretentious douche, but he's not a bad person. He just gets kind of a, uh, yeah. Uh, his death is so ridiculous. It reminds me of like an Austin Powers when they're slowly driving like the, um, not steamroller yeah. to the guy. He's just screaming. He's so this guy's up he against the train. He had time to move. He could have gone left or right or down. He's up against a tree, free of his own will, and he's like, "No!" And this drone makes its way toward him. And the drone blades must be like replaced with la uh, uh, razors or something because they cut clean through his neck. I was like, "This is ludicrous." <laughs> um. And the whole, I was, the first 10 minutes, I was really concerned with the movie because I'm like, this is bad and dumb. The, the oh, yeah, is, not a great start. No. no, the premise is shaky of like, I have never in my life been to a campus university that had bought a property, a house, like 20, 30 miles conservatively off the campus. Like they're in the middle of nowhere and they like, here's our sorority house. They try to hand wave it away with some line about like, oh, the university banned all these, but they're going to allow this back in. Blah, blah. But yes. I'm like, hey, you're so far away from a college. It's like, this is so dumb. They're going to fix this up in the middle of nowhere. Um, Do they come up with a better reason to go back to that house? Like, they're, they're, there's a million other things they could do. But yeah. Just also, say you inherited the house. <laughs> and then there's the one girl who is like the, the uber environmentalist, right? Right. 
I, I mean, I, I don't, well, I guess she's an adult enough that I can pick on her. Her performance is terrible, but her, <laughs> she, she has this great scream, right? Like mm-hmm. this, this amazing scream queen quality, you know, at, at one point there, but all of her line deliveries are kind of wooden. And I mean, I just thought again, this was, was this the only person that they had to do this? I mean, I, I, I think the character could have been as ridiculous as the character's concept is. I, I still think that that could have been better executed because the acting isn't as horrible as you would expect from this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I certainly like that. Uh, I mean, it's played big, but that the, 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 the drunk girl who, uh, you know, she's a really is a, a jerk. One of my favorite scenes is when, like, she's so plastered and, and she has this, this conversation with the leprechaun, right? And we're thinking, this is the scene where she gets it. But really, it, 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 it's not. Like, the two of them kind of collude together. And initially, she thinks she's hallucinating seeing this leprechaun. And, uh, like, that kitchen scene had a certain weird charm to it that I, I don't know how you felt about it. But I, I, I kind of like that one because it went in a, a different direction than I expected. I, I think the majority of the actors are doing what they can with the script and the role that they have. Right. Yeah. I... I, I... I don't know. I mean, like, it's, uh, like I said, it's not good, but it's like, it's better than I expected. Like, I, they put more, in, and apparently, uh, compared to Leprechaun Origins, it's far better. Like, I know a lot of people came off of that and saw this and was like, oh, this is such a better movie. I saw a lot of positive reviews for this on my letterbox, like, because I gave it, I think, two stars. Like, Did you? maybe it could have gone two and a half, but like, yeah. but yeah. it's, you know, by people give it like three and a half, four, like, four, wow, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be going to four. <laughs> I would do that either, what I but... put on, on maybe three. I, I maybe did three. It's a very generous three, but it's like a <laughs> extreme yeah. guilty pleasure three. I don't know. The whole thing is like you know dumb, but it's again, what do I expect from the eighth Leprechaun movie? And uh, I'm trying to think what else to say about the eighth Leprechaun movie. It's I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Similar Chucky problem, I guess. Like, is why can't you just pick this? creature up and whatever but i guess that like they set that up with all like the mythology and the magic and 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 some of the things that the leprechaun can do to deceive you and all that i i I guess so i i guess so but i just (laughs) i i I just i i'm i'm not terribly scared at any point of the leprechaun no 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 (laughs) <laughs> it's scary. It's just more like you know, a curiosity. A B movie entertainment is like, oh, really? They 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 are they are doing this. But your point about Warwick Davis though is like he's in those bad Leprechaun movies, like the In the Hood and the Space One. Like, yes. um, he's so good. I'm like, man, Warwick Davis was not phoning it in. This guy, I didn't think was terrible, but he's not as good as Warwick Davis, obviously. Yeah. But I thought the design of Leprechaun may have been my like favorite design that I've seen in the whole series. I thought it looked kind of cool, <laughs> like not yeah. scary. Again, like I can't yeah. be scared of a leprechaun maybe i was five years old but like he's and you know i guess his leprechaun's very they've been very loose with like what brings him back what kills him what powers have like every movie it seems different like so yeah you think you just pick him up and kick him with your foot like punch him away but like i think the problem is like he's got magic i guess is the is the idea he can't beat magic but i don't know and like i thought it was ridiculous when he turns into like many different little leprechauns and 
like oh yeah, and, uh, like that girl's nose and uh, ar- like the army of darkness. Homage yes, or yeah. yeah. I thought yeah, most of the cast I think was bad. I mean, I'm not they're not working with great material. I thought the main girl was actually kind of good, if I remember right. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's solid. I, I I think I wrote down her name here. Um, yeah, I think she she deserves a, a shout out there. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, you and I was gonna say they got somebody to do the voice of Jennifer Aniston because, yeah, this girl is the daughter of Jennifer Aniston from the first movie. And the lady who did the voice of, like, there was pretending to be Jennifer Aniston, like, nailed it, where I was like, I know there's no way they got Jennifer Aniston to do this voice, but I was like, let me go but investigate. And there it was weird. There's some back and forth on IMDb about, like, Jennifer Aniston says she wished them well or something, but said she yeah. was not asked. But then there's other trivia that says, like, they, wanted her. Yeah. they reached out and it was a money issue. And so I don't know. But the lady they got to do the voice for her, I thought, sounded just like her. It was crazy. <laughs> like yeah, that. for a moment there, I I think uh, Heather McDonald is the name of the person who did Jennifer yes. Aniston's voice. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got it down completely because it, it did. Yeah, totally sounded like her. Where I could probably would fool a few people who, but then you'd have to think, well, like, would Jennifer Aniston actually do this movie? I mean, <laughs> I just want to come out and say, like, I I would never touch this material because it makes her look bad, you know, and might turn off some some future fans or whatever but yeah i i don't know what i believe but i i, I could see them trying to get her and then it didn't even get to her because somebody was said there's no way she's doing this uh right <laughs> i think for a while there she kind of separated her i mean it was a bit of a bridge into friends i mean i know some of the tv work she did too but this was kind of just oh, before yeah. just before she became big i believe it's taylor spritler is uh, the name yes uh, okay yeah 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 uh, I, I think you know she has a future there i mean if you can kind of like aniston if you can sort of hold your head up high in in this kind of a b movie it can lead to other places i actually found the daughter character more likable too i you know i think jennifer aniston in in the original her her character was a bit of a princess and was kind of a kind of a bit of a annoying character I, I think we we're supposed to like her but she was i, I don't know she wasn't as uh I, I found it a little bit harder to i i cheered for the team i guess of, of <laughs> uh-huh. you know survivors a little bit more than her specifically in the film because she was such a she was a bit of a diva about uh this you know place they were being <laughs> with her father and all that I, I found her a little bit less likable than some other final girls i mean leprechaun turns i feel like it's just it could have been a lot worse i mean that's it's not like it's high praise but uh it could have been a lot worse on the uh blu-ray cover <laughs> i get my pull quote it could have been a lot worse it could have been things could have been a lot worse for this eighth leprechaun movie yeah i don't know i mean that's it's i expected it to not be great and it was a little better than than i expected so you know yeah that's something. it's fine yeah no i mean it, you know it's not the worst it's, it's really it's, it's such low such low praise <laughs> it's not the worst. Not, uh, not the worst. Probably okay for an eighth entry in the series. Right. There, there's a lot worse out there. But uh, <laughs> I, I was surprised I, I, I liked it enough because I, I, I thought I might be apologizing to you to have to watch this. <laughs> I, I thought possibly as well. But no, there's, there's one I actually think we're going to talk about that I think is worse than this. Horror has many faces. Death wears many different masks. But pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. 
Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. I'm sad to say that the combined Friday the 13th and Jason series, Jason Voorhees series, lied to us a second time when they had the title Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. There was one other time it was supposed to be the final Friday and it it, it wasn't and there were several movies after that. And then this one was supposed to be the final Friday and we still have a series of other movies after that. Now I'm not sad in a way because I love the fr- Friday the 13th slash stuck in distribution hell post Friday the 13th, post Paramount movies we've had. I, I always enjoy them. I'll put them on and I have a good time. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think they a, a lot of these series, they need to stop putting the final anything in there. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much they kill off their characters or do whatever. It, 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 it is not going to be the final one. I mean, there's still going to be, you know, I know we've had to wait a long time for another Jason movie or Friday the 13th movie while they, the lawyers sort it out. But yeah, I, I, I think Jason goes to hell would have been good enough, but we didn't need the final Friday on this title. All that to say, yeah, I, I, I would say this is a, a revamp because it's when, you know, the series moved from Paramount over to New Line and with very much the the hope of combining uh, Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger together uh, someday, which turned out to be many, many days after this movie was released. But I, I, I might argue that this is the weirdest entry of all of them. And that includes the one where Jason goes off to space, which I think is actually a lot of fun. Jason, without explanation, apparently there was supposed to be a comic that was supposed to link the ideas of, like, last time we saw Jason, he was in Manhattan, right? And (laughs) so somehow now he's been trapped, as we find out, by, I think it's the FBI, back at Camp Crystal Lake. And then he gets essentially blown up and like overkilled to try to get rid of this guy. Uh, And then pieces of his body go in and this is all in this really interesting, I don't know, I'm on two minds about this opening sequence, I guess, but uh, this prolonged credit sequence. And then this snake-like thing connected to Jason's heart or something gets into the coroner and then starts being spread among different characters and they all get a chance to be uh, a version of Jason Voorhees and I uh, kind of uh, throughout the film but we don't get a whole lot of Jason and that means we don't get a lot of Kane Hodder and I believe this is the last time he played Jason Voorhees and you know I, I think many people agree that he he was the best at it so it, it's a very unusual film and I guess I admire its creativity but in, in the end I'm kind of left with okay I'm interested in some sequence. I like some parts, but was this a good movie? Was this a fun experiment or was this actually bad? And they just threw a bunch of creative things in and it was a little bit of a mess. And I'm still kind of wrestling with that question, I guess. So I, I like Jason Goes to Hell enough, but certainly not really up there with my favorite of the, of the, uh, of the, the franchise. Yeah, I, I, I've never actually ranked them to see. I, I think I maybe, I might like this in some of the middle entries in the Friday the 13th, the kind of the original ones, but I I still am kind of left 
in between on this one. I would say in between to give it a, a positive recommendation. Obviously, if you if you watch this series and watch all these movies, you're going to watch Jason Goes to Hell. You might end up watching it several times, but it's it's still a little bit of a puzzle. I think this director for it wanted to make his own mark, Adam Marcus. Uh, I have the uh, the Scream Factory collection, and so I watched a lot of supplementary material and interviews with him. I, I think he has a fairly good opinion of himself to this point where he gives the interview and he kind of rips apart all of the other entries in the series and saying, why was my movie criticized for being ridiculous when all of these other things had happened in the previous entries? So I don't know. He seemed a bit defensive about things, but also promoting the movie, but also promoting himself. But all that to say, I mean, I, I have I have a long list of things I like about this movie. And then I have a almost equal list of uh, some of its weaknesses. So a bit mixed here. I'm hoping you're going to put some perspective on Jason Goes to Hell of a Final Friday. <laughs> well, uh, I hate to be negative, uh, but this this is now this is my least favorite of the things we're talking about. And this was the one I kind of talked about earlier where I had walked around for years going like, Final Friday's not that bad, guys. You know, it's fun. It's a fun break from the other stuff in the series. That's funny. Adam Marcus sounds like he's defensive. I'm like, maybe if we actually had Jason Voorhees in it, people would like it more. <laughs> that's, that's a huge part of the problem. Like, yeah, and he's barely in the movie. I mean, I thought it didn't make that much of a difference, but like, and okay. So the first, not the first time I watched it, maybe, but I'd watched the whole series straight through uh, over maybe like an October or something a few years ago. And I think Jason Goes to Hell plays well when you're watching them all in order because it is kind of like a breath of fresh air, kind of a break from the usual after a lot of movies that are very similar. <laughs> like it's so it's kind of refreshing in that environment when you've watched a bunch in a row and you're like, okay, this is different. And I, that's when I was like, oh, it's not that bad. Uh, you know, it's not, it was not near my favorites either, but it was not the worst this yeah. time watching it like in a vacuum by itself. I really didn't like it. I think it's not a very good movie. I think it's, it's, it's just not, it's so boring in the middle and like in between. So I think the opening is fantastic too. That kind of made me, I love the opening. I think the opening is so much fun. It's very dramatic. Like that music and then yeah. all those blackouts and then they kind of cut to another thing, but they had a kind of cool thing with the, uh, the last sentence of whatever somebody was saying would be kind of included in there. And then we get that big music and then the next name would pop up. Yeah. First time I saw that, I was just like, Whoa, this is, you know, this is, this is kind of cool and exciting. And that again, yeah. getting me excited for a, a different type of uh, movie, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. They take the cold open before I think even the title comes up, they do this whole thing and yeah. they do the typical, like, Oh, woman by herself at the, in the woods and your crystal Lake and, uh and jason shows up and it's all and then the, the fat then like the, the they flip it and it's like he gets blown to smithereens by the, the fbi it's insane you're like what and, and then it just becomes a slog i feel like like he jumps in people's bodies like i don't want to watch some random guy in a lab coat kill people at a campsite that's not like that's not a, that's not a friday 13th movie like what am i it's just i it just does not work i the only thing so i really my only two positives are like the opening and the creighton duke character who i think is really fun yeah, he, he's good <laughs> and he's yeah. committed that guy is committed to that bit and uh i think he's really fun like the supernatural bounty hunter almost or whatever and the the leads i think are super bland i think the mythology becomes nonsense with like this whole thing about like okay so you're like the sister but you're her kid you have a baby so you guys can kill him or he can be reborn through you or what i just was th this connection it, it, or his line so 
We have it, to make sure that he doesn't oh. get into your body or else. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, oh my god, I should have like never revisited this, and it's you know stuck with my positive viewing of it. But like, maybe it does work better in the in the context of like if you watch a bunch, it's almost like a yeah. palate cleanser. But maybe. if you watch it completely by itself, I haven't watched any Friday Thirteenth yeah, anytime recently. It didn't play for me at all. I really didn't like it. I now it's moved all the way to my bottom, like of my Friday Thirteenth rankings. Like, yeah, it was not good. It's not a good movie. In between, I think the ending's kind of fun and the beginning's super fun. And everything in the middle is like nothing. It's just like, yeah. I mean, I like taking a risk and I like creativity, right? And I think it, there, there's some of that there. But you have to understand, like, I mean, and this obviously you didn't want to make a formula film. But you have to kind of know with these series what the fans want. And he really didn't give the fans what they wanted. I, I, I wanted to show it like a... Some of the gore is great. Like Bob Kurtzman and Greg Nicotero uh, were involved with the project. Yeah, there was that the police officer after that snake goes into the tabloid journalist. Like some of that, like the gore connected to that sequence there. But yeah, the Crichton Duke, that was that, that was good. Tony Todd apparently auditioned for that role and didn't get it. And I don't understand that. Wow. <laughs> Tony Todd wants to be in my movie. If he, you know, I will, I will cast him anytime nothing against nothing against the guy who played it but uh and the guy who played it actually just saw is also in it chapter one i don't know what part he plays though but the the guy who plays I, duke I, I think he's it, i think he's the guy when there's that scene with uh shooting the the cows like, right that's what the, i was thinking okay yeah yeah this is yeah the scene that he's in yeah i had yeah. the connection until now but i was like oh yeah no that face there you know <laughs> yeah, they're similar he's got a bit of an intense quality which worked well I thought they did a good job and they maybe did an even better job in Jason X there with acknowledging the smoking dope, premarital sex, getting slaughtered. <laughs> uh, you know, this is kind of, this was years before, is I think this was 93. So this was years before Scream or even New Nightmare had come out. So they were starting to become a little bit meta beforehand. Of course, like, you know, uh, again, this Adam Marcus takes credit for that. So like, oh, I was meta before they, uh, <laughs> you know, became popular. And yeah, that, that whole camping sequence, that was shot six months after the film. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, 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 did, I didn't mind it too much. I would have preferred that it was Jason Voorhees actually, you know, killing those people. I, I thought some of the gore there was amazing. And they really upped the sex in this one too. I guess New Line, because for years, Paramount uh, was battling the censors. Right. Um, and like, it's, like some of the movies, the you know, the violence was almost not there at all. Everything was cut out and uh, in that. So the, this this kind of, all, all of that was kind of put together. I, it, I didn't mind like all the kills and all the stuff there, but apparently, again, this director was very much against that sequence being in there. Other than he wanted a, a bit of a, a moment where they talked about safe sex, because I think there's some reference to putting on a condom or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> an interesting guy, uh, this director, and maybe that's maybe he's too interesting, and that's why. How did you feel about spoilers for the very end, where Jason does indeed go to hell, and then the 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 mask is is taken down by Freddy Krueger's claw there? That uh, that was a little bit of a, a thing at the end. How did you? Yeah, feel? <laughs> well, that was cool. I remember that was talked about too, like 
before I could see this movie, I had I, I had friends who had like older brothers like that. It was like whispered about. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna make a Freddy vs. Jason movie because the last Jason movie ended with you know uh, Freddy Krueger's uh, claw coming pulling the mask down. I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. I didn't even know these characters really, but I'm like, oh, cool. Like, um, it's so cool to have them fight. It took years, it took ten years to get there, but it's like I remember that was like whispered about and talked about, like because they teased it and it was like we're gonna get it at some point. It took forever, but we got it. But so that was I thought that was cool before I'd even actually seen of my own eyes i was just like oh okay this that's amazing because that was this is way before you know mcu stuff and all this like this was like to tie franchises together like that or characters together is like whoa they can do that you know i felt like it was just like the crossover idea was so cool so that's still a cool tool uh too that i'm glad actually we got a movie eventually too because it would kind of suck if they tease it and nothing ever came of it all yeah. like it was so, a long wait it was a long wait for that yeah yeah and then marcus took credit for that idea he said oh you know it, he wasn't pressured into putting that it wasn't the studio or something it was his idea he thought it'd be kind of cool he also has like all these you know, homages to big sam raimi fan homages to the evil dead he actually had like the the real like book of the dead because he went to the set of army of darkness and sam raimi lent him it for a shoot for that for for one oh, day there. yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not quite sure that all worked but I, I i think you know this guy loved evil dead so much i think he was trying to put an evil dead spin on this which i don't think was that comfortable uh connection i think yeah, like there was a, a a crate at one point there references to the thing and probably creep show and similar but not as well executed in my opinion as in uh in bride of chucky yeah, I, I get completely what you're what you're saying there. I guess maybe I'm awarding it a few more points for taking the risk and just because there are some colorful things in there. But to try to to link on to other than the one character, anybody that you would like. I mean, like that that actor Leslie Howard is in there. Um, like that. There was that couple who run the the restaurant and total cartoon characters. Oh, I did not like that diner crew. It was terrible. I, I was <laughs> like their deaths, and there's something about that. Leslie Howard appears in a lot of stuff, and I don't really care for him. I just every time he shows up, it just kind of annoys me. I mean, he, I, I don't, I don't know. He, uh, this wasn't, I guess, the worst I've seen from him. I just, I'm just not, not, not sure. But I guess we've had many of those movies too, where we just have these characters that just exist for Jason Voorhees to kill off. But the piece we're missing is having Jason Voorhees kill these people. <laughs> like, yeah, that's part of the problem. Off. It's an entry. It's one that people <laughs> will see, but I think Jason X didn't, do as well as i'm not sure this did great but i think jason x did worse jason x is a lot of fun I, it really is kind I of uh, agree yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think it you know those who have a hard time with it i know it's ridiculous he, he ends up in space but the, the things they do it's it's almost in some ways like that one's a little bit closer like bride of chucky where they know the movie they're making and they're bringing it they are meta but they're also they, they bring jason in and and they have fun with it and it's it and it's creative. It gets the creative points that this one does, but it has Jason in it. So I think we're kind of in in the same place. I might yeah, I might forgive this one a little bit more than than, than you will, but I, I totally <laughs> get what you're saying. And yeah, I, I this time watching it I think last time I watched it I was watching the series too, and maybe that's why I, I had a better this time just a standalone. It's maybe not great as a standalone film. Jason Goes yeah. to Hell is yeah 
what it is. <laughs> I was say, I was getting a lot of credit too for taking some chances and trying something different because it's the ninth entry in a franchise. You kind of have to try something different yeah. at this point. And the, I think the returns have been diminishing for the last couple entries. So I get, I was giving a lot of credit for that. I think I might be giving it too much credit, <laughs> but now I watched it again. And I was like, Ooh, this is not fun for me to watch. Like just on its own. But, and I know screen factory did find a lot of cut footage because they had to, I think there was a lot of violence that got trimmed. So, you know, that's something I was like, it's like, I guess they helped a little bit. I don't know. I guess it was pretty neutered before, but um, I don't know. I just, it's just, it, it did not, I didn't have fun with this one, but it's okay. It's okay. So no, no that's all good. I, I, I actually prefer like watching the Carrie versus Jason one, or I, I don't even mind uh, when, uh, when Jason goes to Vancouver, I mean, Manhattan. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, in Times Square there. That one's grown on me, actually, is that yeah, one. There's something, some charm to it. I, I like having a on a boat. I mean, it's another way to isolate these characters. And yeah, yeah. yeah I just, yeah, just some sort of a bridge to like, what, where, where does Jason go? He's now in Manhattan. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, and you, if you ask too many questions of that movie, you'll be, you know, the movie's going to lose. But I, I guess I have a bit more fun with that one than I do with Jason Goes to Hell. Jason, a dead man. Just running scared. He's a copycat. He plays with you. So afraid. Live or die. The choice is yours. Just running. You know what happens if we don't follow the rules? The blood under the fingernails of our victim, John Kramer, the jigsaw killer. That's impossible. It's not creepy at all. I guess I wrestle with, of all of these franchises, Saw the most. It very much, I mean, there had been those kind of the, uh, the torture porn horror movies had existed before Saw, but Saw was such a hit that we then got so many of them kind of in that first decade of this century and kind of into the second decade. And I guess we we, we still get a few here and there. But I mean, it, it's one of those things where I would, I started collecting and it was kind of the completest in me. I, I kept buying and I kept watching these because I, I have to, I'm this deep in the series, I have to keep going, I have to keep going. And so I was a bit relieved when I thought we were at the end of the Saw, uh, whatever <laughs> they call it, final chapter, another lie, right? And then I saw this movie Jigsaw is coming out. And 
you know, the cover and everything had Tobin Bell again. And I thought, well, what, what on earth are they going to do? Like this, this guy has been dead for several films, right? Like the jigsaw is dead. Like what, what are we doing here? But this one took its time. It came out a little bit later. It's uh, directed by the Spirig brothers. I think the first time I saw it, I had the, the exact same feeling I have with uh, most of them. I'm interested in the police procedural. I'm not interested in the torture porn games where nobody's going to win, where, you know, th- there's really no way out of this, okay? If you win, you're, you're, you're going to lose. I mean, that's, that's just how it goes. So w- where are the dramatic stakes in that? By this number of movies in, what are we going to be surprised? And then we're always going to be getting that kind of convoluted ending where everything is explained to us, even though it's not explainable. And we get all those flashback shots uh, where we're supposed to have this whole new take on what happened, you know, an hour <laughs> earlier in the film. And it just seems like gobbledygook. It just seems like here's an excuse to have a bunch of like sadistic violence and we can do this cheap and we can make a lot of money at it. And people like myself have paid money so people can see this. I know they, they we think this one thing is going on and we get, you know, the plot twist has some interest, I guess, maybe sort of closer on par to the first Saw movie. And there's a couple actors I, I like enough in here. I This uh, Caleb Keith Rennie is uh, a pretty good character actor. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Uh, There's some design stuff with Jigsaw that I I thought was was good. But on the whole, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about this film. And it's interesting in a way with doing this. uh, When I put this show together, as far as revamps, Spiral hadn't come out. And, And now Spiral is out, and almost like that's a revamp after you know another revamp had happened so uh and i i might argue that spiral is uh, a much more successful film in this saw universe than jigsaw so i this is this is the one for me i'm i'm not going to be very nice to i guess but i've had a hard time being nice to any of the saw movies other than perhaps spiral so maybe i don't know if you're gonna be if you're a fan of saw and maybe you'll be able to kind of give a different uh, take on this but uh this is this is one where my thumb would be down is for jigsaw so as much as i like tobin bell and i I, I like some of those actors i just do not like this 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 film or this uh, franchise as much yet i own each and every one of the movies (laughs) (laughs) very understandable no here's somebody who gets it not everybody in the world would get that right right oh all my friends in real life are like why do you have all these movies i'm like i don't know man this is what i collect but uh <laughs> and it's like i have stuff i probably shouldn't own because i don't even care that much about it but i just you know i just have to have it like i had a um, resident evil 5 pack movie i think it was and i hated the last movie but then i saw the last movie super cheap on blu-ray and i was like i've got to complete the series <laughs> like it's a real sickness i tell you so i know i get not liking saw i mean saw's one of those weird things it's like i almost feel like if i'm a i don't like it that much and i feel like if i was too into it, people think i was crazy or something because it's not like a fun i don't think it's a fun series by any means no. like it's a lot of torture and murder and gore and like i do kind of admire their ability to like bend over backwards to make things connect throughout the especially the first seven when they really were like trying to connect things 
And I feel like Jigsaw obviously, yeah, sets apart like there's a gap and they've already had their final Saw movie too. But they said, well, I guess we want to make money. So, yeah, it's like we did Jigsaw. And I remember, yeah, I had just rewatched the whole series to get ready for Jigsaw. And I went to the theater with a friend who is very into Saw, which I, I think he just is really a fan of like how they connect everything. And, you know, like he's not like into it for the gore or murder. He's just like, oh, I like how the story connects, which I guess is fine. But like, again, they're very hard. You can't pull five off the shelf and just be like, I'm done. You know what I mean? It's like you've got to do all this homework beforehand. But so, yeah, we we, we both were disappointed by Jigsaw. I remember I thought he was even more into him both. And we both were like, it's OK. But the funny thing is, I just watched it yesterday or the day before. And I feel like I barely remember anything from the movie. It's not very memorable. It's not memorable no, it's like, OK, I, I remember some some key points and particularly like uh, how they handled the Tobin Bell character and situation there. I remember that. But yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot. I just don't find a lot of them memorable. I just, it's like, oh, this is the one with this particular trap. And I, maybe they spend a lot of time and maybe they need to be credited for all these torture traps because it does require some creativity, first of all, to, you know, to write this and create it. But then as a director and and the production design team, everybody to to, to get this together. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it, it just doesn't have the dramatic stakes that it's, you know, you, you got to be thinking, okay, there's got to be a, a way out of this. And, and each game promises that there's a way out of it, but there isn't. And we're, we're, <laughs> we're on to it, hopefully by the second film or third film, you're getting the idea that nobody is coming out clean from this. There, there's, there isn't really going to be like the, the final girl or those, there, there are some who survive, but then, you know, I guess there is the follow-up in the later films but they have changed forever as as you would if you ended up in one of these situations but yeah i always i don't know i i, I like the you know like uh in the first one the danny glover arc and all that in that first one they 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 made him look a little bit shady at points and there there were some kind of you know i didn't give it a great review when i reviewed uh it on on uh the previous episode but but i i think the spiral spent so much time on the police procedural and i think that was the right direction to go because i that's maybe why it's my favorite one they're spending a lot of time with chris rock and and samuel L. jackson and like all the pieces there versus the other ones are a lot more about like cutting back and forth between these torture games and the police trying to figure out where this is and what's going on and how they can prevent it and how they can, can stop it from happening and it, it just it's just not 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 that great yeah. Not that great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is like just not very memorable to me. I feel like none of the Saw movies have really been like an actor showcase. I feel like the no. Tobin Bell comes out good. I, I think I think he's they must regret every day that they killed him off so early because they've done everything they can yeah. to bring him back. <laughs> like they were like, we probably shouldn't just we probably should have like had him fake his death or something. But they really, I think, committed to his his character actually being dead. But I'm sure they regret it constantly because they continue, they try to bring him back all the time. And oh, in Jigsaw, yeah. I do. It's kind of clever how they have like these two timelines that you don't know necessarily are separate timelines and they converge at the end you kind of realize oh this was in the past and this is now because they're like how is he doing this like he's dead it's like oh we've been watching an old game and yeah and um i the, the acting's not great i don't think there's though the main guy matt Passmore is like a sentient like he's like a walking slab of meat he's just like I don't think he's I don't think he's very dead behind the eyes to me he's like very like lifeless that girl his coroner friend who may or may not be have a relationship with she's kind of like no one feels like a real person I feel like that's part of it it's like they don't feel like real people at all it's just 
I, you know, I don't know. It's tough. Like, um, you're supposed to like them, and and yeah, I mean, I, I think if you've watched enough movies, you can figure out like who besides besides uh, like Jigsaw, who's going to be the other villain. I mean, that's yeah, uh, you know, and and you know, they're going to lead you in a different direction than what it's actually going to be, and and then you know, oh, surprise, but it's not really that big a surprise. <laughs> I, the other thing I I kind of I'm not not crazy about is you know in in one of in one of the situations the, the whole the whole reason for having one of the people in on this game was all of a sudden like um tobin bell has this this uh nephew who had been killed by a motorbike and the faulty brakes had been the fault of you know one of the characters or something like that like when did he have any family or like i mean i you know <laughs> You know, yeah. but all these characters just for the convenience of the plot, they're going to throw something, some story or something in there. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can understand now why he would have, you know, that, that's bad that that guy did that. So it's like, oh, okay, we need an excuse. Okay, let's just make up some story about him and just add to that backstory. But I guess it's a thing where if I'm, <laughs> if I, if I'm enjoying the movie and I'm willing to like it, then I'm going to forgive. Uh, more stuff. If I am starting off with my arms crossed, then maybe I'm I'm, I'm nitpicking, and and maybe maybe it's a bit of a flaw in me that it got to this point with the Saw franchise that every time I'm watching or reviewing one of them, I'm starting off with my arms crossed. <laughs> And maybe I just need to be a little bit more open. I mean, there are worse entries in this franchise than Jigsaw. It's, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but it's just it's it's just not that great. It's uh, you know at the end I I just feel like what, that they they do stuff to lie to the audience and they try to make the lie make sense and it doesn't always make sense and it. it I, I think I don't know what came first. Like there were a lot of TV shows on network television that were employing the same idea as like kind of at the climax of the show, you would have these flashbacks to earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. And it, it just feels like a, a lazy writing technique, screenwriting technique. Or, and I understand maybe in the style of certain T, you know, when you have to produce 24 episodes a year or something, they, they have to do things like that sometimes. But for a movie, and in particular, like these movies where they're spending a lot of time, I would think, I guess they maybe didn't spend a lot of time on because they had one a year for a long stretch of time. But it, it just it just feels like, OK, we're we're telling you we're not showing you, which is a, like a number one writing rule is that you don't explain everything. You just show or you use symbolism or something like right. that. Yeah. And, and that's where I, I just have. Uh, have a bit of trouble with this and I, I i've said for years that there was kind of the this was like the uh bastard child of the bastard child of the silence of the lambs there was silence <laughs> of the lambs and then seven came along and then seven again well we need to sort of up our game above seven and this is this is what we got but silence of the lambs and seven had a-list directors and much smarter screenwriters behind them they certainly had their plot twists and all of those things but it was just beautifully done i don't think even even the best of the saw movies is anywhere close to uh, those two classic horror movies <laughs> if you i guess i'm becoming predictable if you see a saw movie in the list of the movies uh, for my show it's probably not going to get a great review in most cases here but uh <laughs> understandable and it's funny i feel like i gave a better rating to jigsaw but it like leprechaun returns i think i remember more from that than jigsaw <laughs> like even i it's, it's Le weird leprechaun, yeah. leprechaun to me leprechaun's bad but it's fun yeah, i don't I, have a lot of fun with these movies I, no they're not fun that is not, not there you feel, <laughs> yeah you feel awful after like that comment i made about 
go hug a puppy afterwards. I mean, you really feel like you have to do some good in the world after you spend a couple hours with uh, with Jigsaw and all this. So anyway, I did. I'm, I think that's probably it. Is there anything else you want to say about Jigsaw before I uh, we move to our, our next review? No, not that I could think of. Yeah, I don't know what I'll say about Jigsaw. It's just, it it is what it is again, I think. It's like, uh, I I was shocked, though, because it, I thought it bombed. And it made $100 million worldwide. Well, they, I think they all make, I don't know, I don't know that Spiral actually made a lot because it's COVID times or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think each and every one of these Saw movies has made a ton of money, like the Paranormal Activity movies as well. Right. I thought they were kind of like losing steam. And that's why they kind of had to reboot it with Jigsaw. And I thought Jigsaw all did badly and then like chris rock was like i'll make one and they said we'll do that but i just didn't know jigsaw made 100 million dollars because it only costs like 10 i was like wow that's i know because I, I thought like seven and i thought they had diminishing returns but maybe i'm wrong but i just was surprised by that to see how much money it made because it i remember seeing it in an empty theater like opening weekend there was like nobody yeah. else there maybe it was just the timing but it was just so funny i was like oh it did not bomb so and then they greenlit more based on the fact that it made so much money so um oh and yeah seven made a I, okay i was underestimating this all franchise they were making a lot of money still so yeah yeah they they they, they sure were and that's why we keep getting them i mean people right. will go to them and I, it must appeal to some some element of you know and i mean it like it is capital h horror i mean if if you like your horror disturbing it, it will it will give you that i guess right, right horror doesn't always have to be funny and kind of light and and, and, and goofy I've, I've rewarded several like hard-edged horror movies uh just because they've left me not feeling good or disturbed rightly so but this one feels like it's like there's something just a little bit more insidious about it that it's that maybe it doesn't like its fans as much like there's mm. you know it's kind of like we'll make up whatever nonsense that uh we can and make this movie fairly cheap and people will just keep going and they will accept it you know just because yeah yeah <laughs> versus I, I really feel like most people connected to halloween and friday the 13th and those making those they they care about what the fan base wants and you know in some cases there's some misguided attempts to give them what they want or to be a little bit too creative but i i'm not sure i think this is a little bit more of a capitalistic decision is like we can make tons of money on on this series and i i, I do hope that if we're continuing on with some more of these that spiral is kind of a switch back into let's get better actors and maybe better writing but kind of keep the idea of it there because i i had no expectations at all for spiral and it uh it it, it was good i was there was some good acting in it and i thought the writing was okay and that that hadn't happened for maybe the entire the entire series for me when you're a kid you think the universe revolves around you they think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. it's too late. My grandfather thinks this town is cursed. 
that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing. An evil thing. series called it and it was kind of through that that i you know just being tim curry scaring the heck out of me over kind of two two episodes that i got interested a little bit more mixed in with i forget the timeline now reading the novel uh pet cemetery um by stephen king and i was like well i I became interested in Stephen King's stuff, and that was a bridge into more horror movies. First time I was ever on any podcast as a guest, I reviewed the It miniseries on my friend uh, Larry's uh, show, Rank and Review. And it's certainly with adult eyes, there are some problems with a miniseries, for sure. And it certainly doesn't scare me the way it did when I was younger, but I still uh, can go back to appreciating it on, on that level. But I knew there was room for improvement and certainly like King's stuff on network television had to be put down to a PG-ish type of a, a level, right? To, you know, please the censors. I thought having a full-on R-rated it, this is going to be a good thing. And then initially I heard, okay, so they're doing the, the children's story. And it was a little bit later on, I kind of found out, okay, they were going to do chapter one, chapter two. And the hope was that very much feeling like in the 1990 miniseries, the children's stuff was great. The adult stuff, even though it had some really interesting actors in there, wasn't as great. And so the thought was, okay, we'll definitely improve on like the, the, the horror and the violence and, and the gore can be brought into this and very much improve on the adult story. I'll review chapter two another day for sure, but uh, spoilers for that. I don't think they actually Im improved the adult story, but the good news is we're reviewing the children's uh, half of it. And I think they do a very, very good job, but I have a couple, as I said, with the movies I really like, I have, I'm going to seem a little bit harder. And I, I do have a few criticisms of it. 
they do a ton of great stuff with the Beverly character. And in particular, I, I would spend lots of time uh, talking about this Sophia Lillis, uh, this actor who plays Beverly, who I think is in both chapters, maybe gives the best performance, but not in the novel and not really built up with how everything that they had kind of done with her for the first two thirds of the film. They set it up where she gets captured by Pennywise and then the boys have to go and rescue her. And that just did not sit well with me because I don't know where they got that idea from or why they put that in or why they needed to make that change. That was a bit strange to me too. And some of my other criticisms, unfortunately, and a lot of people out there will disagree with me, surround Pennywise. Tim Curry, he looked like a, a friendly circus clown initially. And the advantage that the... The miniseries had is it was set in the 1950s, which were a more innocent time than the 1980s where this one is set. So I believe that this kid would truly think that this clown is is stuck in the sewer and and and, and trying to uh, go along with what what happens. And then we see the shift from the clown, friendly clown, into the monster. I don't understand, and I I mean I I was raised throughout the 1980s and by 1989 if i saw or anybody saw that creature anywhere they would go nowhere near it wouldn't <laughs> engage in a conversation so like uh bill sarsgaard but maybe more like the effects team behind the design and everything made him look like super evil from the beginning and i i, I just i couldn't get my head around that uh, there's some scenes he's really good in, in in both chapters for sure, but that's something I just still cannot get my head around. And they relied so much on special effects for the scares as opposed to letting this guy give a little bit more of a performance that where I feel like Tim Curry just outdoes it because he didn't have any special effects or anything to help him out. He was just this evil, evil clown who's really this this monster all that to say those are my main criticisms i guess this last time watching it i had a few more negatives than i expected i would i got and I, I don't know why it hasn't bothered me before but the banter among those boys and i, I think richie's kind of a problematic character in there i never liked richie i, I i've never quite figured out how he became kind of a stand-up comedian because in like in every version his material isn't really that funny <laughs> and he's like this class clown but like this back and forth but they're insulting each other's mothers and whatever it, um which i guess was was improvised they did a lot of improvisation for those bits i just i was I, I found it annoying in this last viewing and i just kind of wanted to kind of get on to kind of the next bit and spend less time with that but uh again is that realistic that mid, like these middle years boys would be talking that way to each other yes and some of the school stuff, and particularly the, the bullying that happens to, to Beverly with that, like, there's that awful little blonde girl who's like the pharmacist's daughter. That all rang, rang true. And how they would kind of use, like, rumors about, you know, that she's very promiscuous. That felt true. I work in a high school. I Fortunately, we have to deal with a lot of uh, this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that works well with them being kids. And there's some genuinely scary sequences in here but then there's also a lot of special effects sequences which i don't know for this guy it takes me out of the movie a little bit more than i would like but 
of the ones we're talking about, this is this is easily one of the strongest entries. And I just think they had a bit more money to work with than some of the other films that we're talking about. So that's maybe why I'm sounding a little bit harder on it. Between the two, I prefer this one. And uh, but I just I, I keep feeling like there'll be like maybe a third wave of it. And somebody someday out there is going to be able to get something that is as great as that epic novel. It's a hard task for sure, but I, I, I feel like it's possible. And I think they were, they were close and they had the budget and they had the freedom to do it here. And it, it almost gets there, but it falls just a little bit short. But if they were, if we're, if we're taking the two parts of separate movies, though, I think they're much more successful with the children's sequence. And maybe in King's novel, maybe he does better stuff and more interesting stuff with the children's sequences than with when the, the sequences when they're older. And maybe nobody could kind of figure out a way to, to kind of deal with that half there. But it's good. On the whole, I think the child actors do a great job because they have to carry a lot of the film. And I, I'm not criticizing Bill Sarsgaard but I may be questioning some of the design choices and some of the stuff around him. So, uh, cause I know a lot of people love him in, in, in this series and love that actor in general. So that's kind of where I'm at. I like it a lot, but I'm sounding a bit negative. So what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I really love it. Chapter one. I remember when this came out, it was really like a phenomenon. People remember it was such a big hit. Biggest um, box office in horror movie history, I think. That's still right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely up there. If it wasn't, ever, if it's still number one, it was way up there. And it started off a whole new Stephen King like renaissance. I think it was like let's adapt every, you know, was a redo King project, Pet Cemetery, and um, yeah. I now they, there's a new Salem's Lot coming out soon. I mean, there was I can't. There's a bunch that were they were redoing Doctor Sleep. There's I mean, there's a yeah. Uh, there's yeah. So many such, and it was like a year after stranger things was a real like push again for like 80s nostalgia kids on bikes type of <laughs> kind of spielbergian you know kid adventures in the 80s i feel like it kind of also hit at the right time for that i still really love it i think the kids are all like perfectly cast like whoever mm-hmm. was the cast director did a great job across the board um your point about bill scars makes a lot of sense because he's like he at least the tim curry clown you might approach as a clown but like yeah bill scars or pennywise like never looks approachable uh, by any means uh, it's funny it's for me i have i know that's like a run people a lot of people were scared of clowns i have no problem with clowns i've never been scared of clowns like even scary clowns i'm still like eh like you know it's but I, i've never gotten the clown phobia that people seem to have and but this clown i would not approach either he's dirty looking he looks terrifying he's not colorful I've never read the the book because it's gigantic. I own the book. It's a commitment, yeah. It's like 1,200 pages or something. Um, Never cracked it open. bigger than The Stand, which is like his most... Other epic, yeah. Yeah. I have all these grand plans to read a bunch of Stephen King books. I I found them cheap for years at yard sales and thrift stores and picked them up and I have not cracked open, I think, like hardly any of them. But um, And I saw the... Tim Curry 1990 miniseries around the same time as the first movie. I don't know if it was like right before or right after, but I didn't grow up with it because I was like a toddler in 1990 and just, I missed it. And I like the original miniseries, but I like, I think when they did these movies more, just as I like, I think I like the actors more, the look and the feel. I think it's scarier. 
I still like it chapter two. I know that's like, again, like it's almost like a Halloween, Halloween kill situation. Cause I feel like it chapter one was like universally beloved. And then it chapter two comes out. People have like a lot of problems with it. People think it's really weird. It is kind of weird, but I like the weirdness of it. And I think, yeah, I guess from what I hear that adult stories is hard to adapt. I know there's stuff they haven't even touched yet. There's like a giant turtle. Apparently. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, there's like re- really weird stuff. And it like that it just seems unadaptable. Like, um, the sewer sex thing that they think yeah, on nobody it, and i see king i think himself says i regret writing that i was doing a lot of drugs it's like yeah uh, so but no this movie i think just really captures like a good coming of age story the kids are all at that age where it's like you're still kids but you know puberty's either happening or right around the corner and like some kids have hit it already some kids haven't it's an awkward time for people torn between being a kid and being a kind of getting older i just love like the the bond they have i know some characters are kind of underserved in the first one like mike especially and i believe that's a point i'm going to be making about (laughs) this too like that they go in a very different direction with mike there were a couple things when again the 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 novel in mind and you're not going to be satisfied i mean it's like what we said about the fandom people getting their you know upset when all these things come out and and maybe i'm bad for that with the the books with the stephen king books i i i kind of would like to revisit my review of christine john carpenter's christine i i think i was extra hard on it because the novel had been fairly fresh in my mind and i like the novel better uh and that's usually going to be the case here but there were some things where i was like well why did they do that that's that's going to completely screw up the next chapter what are they doing and then uh the the positive things i'll say about chapter two they do fix some things but i i didn't understand why they decided to have ben be the guy who hangs out in the library and do all the research on dairy that that was actually mike's right i knew that yeah Yeah, that was mike's thing i don't know why they took that away from mike it's like (laughs) that at all you know it was um i don't know i'm I'm sure there's some reason they decided to do it but i just wasn't uh because that like that that sets up kind of a different dynamic for uh for the adult section which i just didn't and then they were trying to kind of get some things back so it was consistent with the book there and i you know, some things worked, some things didn't there. So, yeah, I, I think that, that kid's kind of underserved. I mean, they, they have that. They do a bit more with, you know, about like, like all the black people who had been burned. And then that's what he's seen. And this whole thing where he doesn't want to, that the scene that was mentioned before, that he doesn't want to uh, shoot those uh, those air guns in uh, to, to kill kill the livestock for the, the meat production, right? He kind of is discovered by the group, but... Yeah, there isn't a whole lot to that 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 kid, unfortunately. Yeah, he is, and it is unfortunate that he's like the you know the African American kid in there, and he's not given as much to do. And I think Stanley is the other guy that's kind of underserved in the first movie. And that one I get a little bit because of 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 knowing the fate of of his character. Right, right. Yeah, I I I get that I get that a bit, but you know, I mean, they each had their scenes and their moment to shine. And it's a balance. Yeah, we're talking about. I, I've often thought that maybe uh, going back to that that kind of mini series or limited series format might be better. But going yeah. with H- HBO, or I guess it could be Netflix now because Stephen King obviously has a relationship with Netflix because a lot of his material and Apple Plus as well. He had uh, Lizzie's story on there. That that might be a better format. And then you have ten episodes or or, or so to tell the full story and yeah, to give yeah. every character the time they need and the character development they need 
to be successful, like like Stranger Things, which uh, again I'm 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 only I'm at the beginning of season four, but they are able to give like all of their even though those kids are getting older now, so I don't know they're supposed to be in grade nine and they're over eighteen in real life here, but but they we get to know those characters a lot better over several years or several episodes. Uh, here, there's only so much screen time. Both movies are pretty long. I think probably together they're close to probably close to uh, hours, hours weren't they? Yeah. You know, so I mean, I get that they did, they were kind of doing their best there to, to balance all of these things, but you also have to have those, the, the main plot points through there too as well. So I like that it was successful. I like that it gave a voice to horror for, for a bit and brought back Stephen King. I'm a Stephen King fan. I'm not sure that every one of his works uh, or even his, his films need to be have remakes <laughs> uh-huh, really, yeah. i i have a i i have a a hate on for the pet cemetery uh remake for sure uh i haven't seen the firestarter one yet but i thought with firestarter there's room for improvement mary lambert's pet cemetery there was nothing to improve on and i i, I and then they go and change things whatever but this i think you know there were improvements made it, it's an interesting thing to do the compare and contrast like for the budget they had for an eight, I believe it was ABC miniseries in 1990. They probably right. filmed in 89. And they had as one of the nastiest books. I'm surprised it was Greenlit. One of the nastiest books he ever wrote. And they greenlighted like a two-night miniseries for this. Uh, didn't give them much of a budget to work with. But I think they actually, you know, did quite a good job. There's stuff that was completely invented that's not not in the book or, or, or anything there. But but still kind of horrifying scenes and, and being about the age, maybe a little bit younger than the age of the characters. When I was watching it, I was like, um, in the miniseries, there's that, the, the thing that comes out of the shower, which looks kind of goofy now with uh, like the, the claymation stuff that they did there. But I remember being a kid and like, thought, Oh, when I have to go to like have a shower in a phys ed class in high school, and something comes out, I that's going to be horrible. Like you know, there there were it was playing on some genuine fears that kids have, I guess. And so that one worked well. But I, I would choose Tim Curry. I think from that that original one too, like that that actor uh, Will Whedon was one of the kids, and I very very good actor as well. I I quite liked him. But the collective of children actors, I think they upped their game there. They upped their game with production values. But I think they did rely on a lot of kind of computer special effects techniques to kind of enhance the scares and and with the sound the sound design's wonderful for it. But it's just uh, I don't know. I guess I'm as I get older, I get more. Uh, I, I like those practical effects a, a touch more. I guess so. Right, um, that's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I know it scared people, and people were you know, were talking about it of all ages when it came out and I think it's it's viewed as one of the the better horror movies of uh, the 21st century to this point and so I have to definitely uh, give it credit for that too yeah I want to shout out that that sequence that drain sequence was was so well done and then all that blood that sprays all over the place um and (laughs) I got a little bit of a carry homage from that too in a way like because of Beverly's her red hair and everything and 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 just at that moment like it was like oh this this looks so much like Sissy Spacek. Uh, and I also think they, they handled like the child abuse stuff really well. And, you know, but again, I, I love that she 
she fights back against her father. And I was just like, yay. I was, I was so invested and so cheering in that story. And then it seems like moments later, then she becomes like the damsel in distress. And, and I just think that did, really didn't serve the film. I, I, I'm, again, these are just my own personal blocks, I guess, from calling it an out and out classic. I, but I feel like this will be one that people go back to and talk about for another generation. And then, Maybe nope. someday they'll be. They'll remake it again someday. Again. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think next time you're. I think next time somebody will pick it up as like a ten episode streaming series and give it ten yeah. hours to really. Because I thought they did a good job with like five hours in both movies, but if you had ten, I think you could really kind of nail it and give it the time it needs because it seems like such a big story and maybe do some of the stuff like the like the giant turtle whatever that's about like some of the weirder touches and things like that um i i, I see your point about the bev thing too at herbie kind of damsel in the stress i think that was what i read was like their compromise because the whole idea i guess with that whole scene in the sewer where uh oh boy how do i say it uh, they they the, the boys and bev they have sex. It kind of like that's it's like unites yeah. them, I guess, is the idea. I guess this was like this was the, 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 the compromise to how she unites the boys. I guess they're at that point, they're all broken apart because they've all had a fight. And to go save Bev, they all get back together. I guess that was their like compromise they came up with. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, uh, unite them in some other way than in some other way. <laughs> Thank I, I don't see any version, I don't see any version where they're gonna. Put that orgy to oh no no it, no and, i don't think and for good reason uh, no, should... <laughs> nobody should no future filmmaker should be yeah and i think even stevie king at this point would be like don't do that like as i think i said he regrets yeah. writing it but uh, uh so that was the bev thing must have been their compromise but she's uh, sophia lewis again i think is like i think all the kids are good i feel like i was watching like a future star be born like in her performance like yeah I... she's so good I, um, I haven't seen her in a. I know she was in the uh, what was it, Sharp Objects miniseries, where she played a younger Amy Adams. But I, I, I kept thinking that she would be in, in quite a few things here. I'm just yeah. I was looking her up, and I don't know if we took a break to go to school because I. It's crazy. She's 20 now, so maybe she was like, but she's going to be in some stuff coming up. It's funny they got her as a young Amy Adams. I know Amy Adams was like one of the other names that they discussed for <laughs> Chapter Two besides Jessica Chastain. So like, who both are good adult. Bev Cassie. I thought they good job casting the adults too. I'm not sure if they were as memorable across the board, but like I thought they did a pretty good job of like of that adult cast too. Yes, her next big credit is uh 2023 release of Dungeons and Dragons. So oh okay. <laughs> so there's some um, other other ones that look like they might be in production, or I, I'm not sure what some of the stuff is. The Thicket, Asteroid City. I don't know what some of these what these things are here, but yeah, yeah you're probably right. She went to school, like took that break kind of like Natalie Portman and Jodie Foster both did there where I, but I'm, I, yeah, she just, she just stood out. And again, looking at the two movies together and much more experienced, older actors, I think, you know, if I put the whole thing as one movie, that would be the performance I would point to as the best above even Jessica Chastain herself, which I thought, I was so excited for that performance for chapter two because I thought it's brilliant. She yeah, she looks like her younger sister or her daughter or something. And I yeah, I get a bit disappointed with the, the final product with the adults. I, I, I guess <laughs> yeah. even it's a little messier. But you know, yeah, it, yeah, it chapter two is a little weirder and messier. But I kind of appreciate that about it. But it's I don't think it's as good as the first one. It's funny too, as I mentioned. Like this came out a year after Stranger Things. I didn't even mentioned the bridge between both those things is Finn Wolfhard, 
who's in yes. this and Stranger Things. So I know that got a lot of like younger people this movie because like people kids love Finn Wolfhard, so they were like um, they were there for him. But yeah, and uh, Richie, I think, right? Yeah, he's Richie. Yeah, yeah. and then Bill Hader is adult Richie, which is again I thought good casting. So yeah, I uh, I don't know. I really I still love it. Chapter one, it has not really lost much for me and um yeah no still still great i really felt like this and howling 2018 kind of kind of stood to me like head and shoulders yeah. above the rest like again but kind of budget really they had a lot more money i think than the a other or it more advantage that's why i'm sounding a little bit harder on both of them is because they had more to work with than the other films one of the trivia pieces i read though that would have been interesting to me is uh at one point the duffer brothers wanted to be wanted to uh write and direct this Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And, <laughs> More stranger yeah. things. And then, yeah, they, the studio said no because they hadn't done anything. So then they, you know, then they did stranger things. And now I, you know, I'm, I'm curious about whether if, if that was to happen today, if that would have been a different decision. Or, <laughs> I, they would have done an amazing job with this. But yeah. Yeah. Not, so. not, not that it wasn't already well done, but I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like this is going to be one of those things where you're never going to get like the perfect adaptation so i'm i'm willing to sell for pretty darn good (laughs) yeah and in chapter one again i think it's got some great horror set pieces like i think it's got all these great sequences that are staged like with each kid and then the ending is great it's got some good scares it's funny because some of the scares are good jump scares and then there's there's some stuff that's actually really creepy like when ben's in that library in the far background you could see pennywise as the librarian i guess and he's just like staring and it's not really like drawn attention to which is in the background it scares the crap out of me because the face is so creepy um but yeah it's a little stuff like that it's a good mix of like you know a good old like, i can appreciate a good jump scare when it's done well but then also just could, some good creepy stuff and yeah i just think it's a really well done horror movie with a great cast and bill scarsgard is great even though yeah i would not approach him if he had a balloon i'd be like now nah, i'm gonna keep walking this way bill thanks uh yeah, it's like yeah he's He's very creepy from the get-go. <laughs> I, I think it would have been cool if they had decided to set it in the 50s. I know kind of when it came out, it was the equivalent amount of time as to when the, you know, the 1991 came out to the 1950s. But I think saying it in the 50s would set up some things so that it'd be a little bit more plausible. I mean, everybody said hi and was polite to people and you trusted your neighbor and you know, didn't lock your doors and all, all those pieces there. I, I think that setting works a little bit better for this. But, you know, the, but then they could have a bit of fun with the, the 80s nostalgia with this movie. And like they had the, like the new kids on the block, some of that humor that Ben loved, was a fan of new kids on the block. That, that was kind of fun and all that. So a lot of relatable stuff too, because I was, again, about that age, a little bit younger at the, the setting, the, the time that they were setting the, the movie there. So, no, I think I think it's a good one, too. And uh, and history will remember it as uh, being one of the better Stephen King adaptations, I think. Ha ha ha!
Matt Bledsoe, thank you for being back on the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. And everybody needs to check out Film Feast. It's it's just great stuff. And I think you said on one one of uh, show you were guesting on or something that you're not as big on structure. So I was like thinking, was oh this 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 show is a little bit more structured than. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 and that's maybe my regret at points that I'm listening to your show. I'm like, oh, it'd be fun to just like talk about a movie or two and just kind of let it go wherever it goes here. But I appreciate you coming back on. Oh, yeah. You're, no, you're good. Thank you for having me on again. So, uh, yeah, we have some points to award here and then a movie to remove from my, my shelf. Starting off with Halloween 2018, how many points did you give it? Uh, I gave that one a 15 points. And Bride of Chucky? Uh, I gave that 10. Leprechaun Returns, the classic. <laughs> uh, actually, I gave that uh, 7 points. Your favorite here, Jason Goes to Hell, <laughs> Final Friday. Uh, you might think it's kind of me. I gave it 6 points. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're looking at Jigsaw. Uh, I gave that 7 points. And finally, It Chapter 1. I gave that 15 points. So, yeah, I, I think our, our point totals are actually kind of different. Right? I think in the mo most part we're sort of in the range, but uh, just, a, just a little bit different here. So starting off with Halloween 2018, I gave that 11 points. Then Bride of Chucky, I gave 13 points to. That was a bit of a reevaluation. Again, maybe overperforming a bit there, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Probably a generous nine points for Leprechaun Returns. I had a much better time with it than <laughs> I ever dreamed I would have. I I was going in thinking, oh, this is this going to be zero points? But uh, no, it, it was it was way way better, way better than I expected. Jason goes to hell. Final Friday. I like that quite a bit more than you do. I I, I gave it probably still a bit inflated, but I did give it ten points. Oh okay. Then when we're looking at Jigsaw, I kind of made no bones about it that I'm not crazy about this franchise and and this movie. I, I I only gave it five points. Okay. And then it chapter one, I gave twelve points. So where we're at with the points, the the big winner would be It Chapter 1 with 27 points, followed by Halloween 2018 with 26 points. Then Bride of Chucky would be third with 24. We have a tie for fourth. Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday and Leprechaun Returns get 16 each. And the movie that leaves my movie shelf <laughs> with 12 points is Jigsaw. Oh, well... So, <laughs> oh no! Uh, <laughs> you with jigsaw. I'm sorry. Uh, what should I, what should you do with jigsaw? Probably donate it. Uh, it's like I, uh, I I already actually I I still own it. Uh, shockingly, so I was again I must have bought it for five dollars. Uh, it, it's funny because I, I learned some lessons from first time I was here. I think I way overweighted some things uh, that were going to be safe no matter what. And this time I was like I got to scale back because I felt very confident you were going to also like it chapter one and Halloween. Uh, 2018 so i was like let me bring those to 15 they probably would be higher in a different you know but like yeah. I, I was like, i felt pretty safe and then like the other ones i kind of spaced out like i would have given friday less than six but i was like well that's what i had left and i was trying yeah. to weigh it all kind of because i went way overboard last time in a movie i really thought should have left didn't leave and i was really upset <laughs> I really wanted to escape plan out of there. And uh, um, I think this time that happened too. To you, it looks like. 
No, and no, this is, uh, I mean, it's funny because this time I was thinking, well, if he gets rid of Jigsaw or Chase Goes to Hell or even Leprechaun Returns, I won't feel that bad about it. So I'm glad it was one of the three. Um, mm-hmm. And Jigsaw, actually, if you're going to get rid of one, that's kind of fine because I kind of felt they wrapped the whole thing up at, at you know, seven. So it's almost yes. like an extra uh, addition you don't really need. So if you want us to leave, I'm actually pretty good with Jigsaw leaving. <laughs> so I am not upset at this at all. It, again, it's only seven points because I just was kind of, you know, like, yeah, that's fine. And like I said, probably the least memorable i was sitting here just watched it and was like what is there to say about it <laughs> like it's just... days later if you don't remember that's not a good sign I mean, no, I know, no. I know we both watch a lot of movies but i mean it still would be Dan leprechaun returns more memorable, yeah more memorable than jigsaw <laughs> so uh i am actually much happier this time I'm like that's fine jigsaw can go <laughs> so yeah. i would say just drop it off at like a local store or something. okay I'll, i will do that yeah i appreciate it so much and uh again thank you and said it a few times here but check out film feast and i had mentioned earlier uh larry parsons show rank and review as well and also a lifetime of hallmark uh, regular guest kurt fitzpatrick also that's his his podcast reviewing lifetime and hallmark movies and uh interesting idea for a podcast for sure and uh yeah and i've recently been on schlock and awe lindsey wilkins wonderful podcast i was you know really honored to be on that one too and i think we have plans sometime in the future for her to come on the shelf shedding movie show so uh looking forward to that but and just as always please uh be kind to one another and stay safe and keep supporting the movies 